What's up, everybody? It is risk-free, same-game parlay, Thursday night football, Thursday, November 4th. You are listening to the Pat McAfee Show 2.0. Pat had to run out, but still got a great show for you today. Michael Cole was in studio in Indianapolis for the entire show, new World Series champion and starting shortstop for the Atlanta Braves, Dansby Swanson. Stops by the show. Friend of the program, Michael Lombardi, stops by to talk about the Odell situation and everything going on in the NFL. TVG Mike and obviously AJ Hawk stops by to preview tonight's Thursday night football game between the Colts and Jets. It's a good one. Let's get into it. The Pat McAfee Show, a lot of things popping off in our world, and we dabble into a different world today. Mm hmm. Now, we have a risk-free same-game parlay that is destined to hit because what we've been doing in the same-game parlay department over the last couple weeks, we've been getting fucked. That's right. Big time. Injuries, gimmicky kneel downs, minus in a yard off of the rush yards. We should have hit three weeks ago. This Mm, shouldn't even be a conversation. But what has happened in the past does not dictate what will happen tonight. Tonight, when the stupid Jets take a flight to Indianapolis and play in Lucas Oil Stadium against this Indianapolis Colts team. That's a wounded dog. A caged animal. Somebody that's fighting for their lives at every single scrap. We have a same game parlay tonight that's going to hit and we're all going to win. And it's plus a thousand something so we're going to take millions and millions of dollars from FanDuel tonight and I can't wait to enjoy it as I will be in the house. In the house. I'll be in. The, I'll be motivating. I will be yelling. I will be hopefully sending all the positive juju mm-hmm. to who we need to get what done. And what we need to get done at plus one thousand and seven or something like that is we need Carson Palmer to throw for over two hundred and twenty-five yards. Yeah, we do. We need Jonathan <laughs> Taylor to score two touchdowns. We need. Michael Pittman Jr. to have a big-time night. Come on now. With T.Y. Hilton out, Michael Pittman Jr. has become the guy last season as a rookie. He had two catches for one yard and a half a touchdown. Carson Wentz gets traded to the Indianapolis Colts and says, hey, how about that number 11? You know, I've always been number 11. I was almost MVP. They're paying me $100 million. You were a rookie last year. You're only going in your second year. You're good. You're great. Uh, but you haven't really been there. How about the number 11? Michael Pittman Jr. says, nah, dog. What I'm about to do this year in the number 11, you won't even be able to touch. Go find a new fucking number, quarterback. And at that time, I said, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. Why does this guy think that, it, that he can even come close to saying that to the guy that is going to be responsible for feeding him, which in turn feeds his family? Why wouldn't you just say, yeah, dude, take it, whatever you got to do, and move to your next number? And I think it's because old Pittman Jr. knew what the fuck was about to happen. Oh, yeah. Ball this dude is a stud. Mm-hmm. This dude is a star player. And tonight we need him to go over 70 yards. We need Jonathan Taylor to score two touchdowns. We need the Colts to win by six or more. The actual spread's 10 and a half. What do they know? I have no idea. With Carson Wentz as a quarterback, you're obviously going to ask the question what's going to happen. But tonight with Jonathan Taylor, the AFC Offensive Player of the Month, running the rock and catching the ball. We're destined to win, and tonight it'll happen for all of us. Tonight, we ride. Yeah. Hell yeah. 
That should be a lot of fun. I can't wait for that. But also, in like nine minutes, we'll dabble outside of our world, and we'll talk to a baseball player. Whoa! Hey. David Ortiz? No. Not Big Poppy. A-Rod? <laughs> no, no, not... Alex Rodriguez. Yeah, Alex Rodriguez. Not uh, J-Lo's. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Chipper J- Jones. Yeah, Chipper Jones, though. Not Big Old Dip having Chipper Jones. Jamie Sosa? No. Don. Sammy's not coming on the show. Come on. Neither's Mark McGuire. I know that's potentially oh, next year. Those two kind of go hand in hand. Barry Bonds in here, but you know who's going to be here? Who's that? Jason right here Kendall? it says. Nope. Jason Kendall. Listen. <laughs> If Jason Kendall wants to come on in eight minutes, I will cancel this person. Okay. okay. But that's the only person I would cancel this person for is Jason Kendall. Dansby Swanson. Oh, oh. Dansby. Right here, Dansby Swanson, World Series champion. And Toxic Tables here at Ty Schmidt, at Boston Connor. Tone Diggs is here, the host of Hammer. Done. A gambling podcast that goes live 15 minutes after this show ends every single day at youtube.com forward slash Hammer. Done. And also in stu- the boys behind the glass, you're all doing fantastic. Appreciate you guys. Let's win that fucking same game. Here we go, boys. Yeah. Cool. Joining us in studio, a sockless stooge, the voice of the WWE. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Cole! guys appreciate it hey, thank you no thank you for joining us obviously yep. smackdown is in evansville indiana yeah good great great metropolis tomorrow can't wait for that <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Listen, I, no I got reason. i got a note in my email that says i can't even park at the building there's no parking so i have to park at a hotel across the street so. and then walk over yeah i mean i got that you forwarded that email to me as well evansville is in southern indiana it's like a three-hour drive yeah. uh you and i had talked about this for the last couple weeks maybe you fly in here surprise the boys stay in indy drive down in the morning it worked perfectly the boys had no idea when you walked in here everybody's like holy shit michael cole, michael cole. Yeah, i actually got all- an ovation i couldn't believe it and everybody's and then they immediately said oh he's dressed like an asshole yeah. <laughs> oh, you look like a clown so, like no this asshole. is my normal dress uh you see me every friday night in a suit that's the one day a week i dress up i wear sweatpants flip-flops and a hoodie around the clock i love that i appreciate so, that living that retired life and i do call you a suit stooge all the time yep. literally because the only time i ever see him wearing suits he's in a suit at all yeah. times yeah. but then i guess i seen to you that one time whenever we were at that sports bar where they turned off all the thursday night football games yes. in ontario california i was in sweats that night too he, he was dressed like an asshole okay. I, I remember saying oh my god you're dressed like an asshole right now and this is me wearing a tank top saying this or whatever and then now we're this is so you just live that retired life pretty much yeah but you're working all day every day. yeah i worked that's what 24 i feel seven like. uh, just like you do but uh listen i'm i go to work on fridays to work on television i work out of my house so i dress like this this is me well you've always been very cool to us uh to oh, me yeah. to the, everybody ever since we began and i know you're a big sports fan so the fact that the jets are in town which is your team uh, you by the way, uh, the Colts have one more win than the Jets do, mm. by the way. The Colts have three wins. The Jets have two. And um, what? I'm just letting you guys know that the Colts. He's a <laughs> Patriots fan. That's why he was yelling at you before. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were air. talking about the Colts. No, no that's no, my no. bad. He was coming so. at you as, my bad. as the Colts. It was a Colts-Jets yeah. conversation it happening was. And at then the out time. of the blue, he starts screaming about four wins. I'm like, what are you yeah, talking I about? I hate the Jets, and we beat the bag out of them twice. Well, we you beat did. you guys you by guys 41, Cole. Your team stinks. But you started talking shit as a Colts fan in the conversation you were having, and you were clearly using Patriots stats. Nonetheless, it wasn't on the air, so nobody has a clue we're talking about. But there was a little bit of a misunderstanding there the Colts are the win-loss 
record is not indicative of the team that they have, though. Carson Wentz may be worse than Mike White. Whoa. Uh, what is yeah. he doing? What are you doing? Mike, that's Mike fucking Mike White. What are you doing? Dude. This guy's electric. What are you trying to calm everybody down? I'm just saying. Cooler heads need to prevail. Are you kidding me? Mike White is way better than Carson Wentz. Mike White is about to throw six picks tonight. What are we even talking about? Carl Wentz makes some plays that even you know is like, holy shit, that belongs to Pee Wee football. But then he makes some plays, and it's like, holy shit, that guy's the best football player of all time. He bounced the ball off the ground, Mm -hmm. threw it into quadruple coverage, and made a big-time completion. To our guy Pittman. Tell me if Mike White's doing that. Answer, no. Hey, I will say this. I've been a Jets fan. I'm 55 years old. And I, you don't look at hey, hey, so hey, thank you. Look, your feet. I mean, what the fuck? But the <laughs> thank you. I, I, I just got a manicure too. So oh, nice. Looks, well, that would be and, a pedicure. And pedicure actually. Yeah. Yeah, come on. But, uh, Jets fan for 50 years. Okay. And so dad had season tickets when they started out with the Titans and then moved on. Long story short, last Sunday, and I was texting you during the game. This was top five all time memories. Of, of the Jets game, watching Mike White perform last week. It was incredible. Jesus. Listen, we don't have much at all. We don't have Is that much. real? Top five in how 50 many Sad state of affairs. It is a sad state of affairs. I've been a Jets fan. They suck. Listen, I get that. We've won a Super Bowl in 1969 when I was three years old. Uh, Do you remember any of it? No, no not at all. No. My first Jet memory, honest to God truth, was Shea Stadium. My dad had season tickets. Uh, 1973. And, of course, it wasn't a Jets memory. I was there the day that O.J. Simpson went over 2,000 yards, wow. which at the time was a record. Maybe wow. I was going to tackle him a little and, uh, that, But long story change. short about White Maybe is... Maybe he wouldn't have got his egotistical. Yeah. <laughs> How many times does someone throw over 400 yards in their first start of their NFL career? Yeah, I don't think it has. And then, Cam Newton. Cam, and was, the yeah, Cam and then, was the only one. I didn't know that. And then in 330 games as a Jets organization... Since they, Vinny Testaverde. Yes. So you guys stink, stink. Why? So you Horrible. just you the fanhood though seems like like Fireman Ed. I guess he quit for a few years, yeah. but the Jets have maintained a fan base, right? And then now you potentially have a guy who's probably going to get exposed tonight to this Indianapolis Colts defense. Oh, yeah. I mean, Mike White might be a guy. Hey, I might be completely wrong. I love him. if he completes four passes tonight, I'll be happy. Why is that? <laughs> because I just think last no week. I think last week was just, you know, nobody was prepared for it and nobody was expecting it. Including uh, him. Listen, the guy got cut four times by the Jets last year. Uh, so, Revenge game. you know, there's a reason Whoa. for it. Against the Jets. Against yeah. his own team. Last week. Last makes week sense. was a revenge <laughs> yeah. game against the organization that cut him four times. Yes. Do you have any hope for Zach Wilson at this point after watching what Mike White was able to do oh, in listen, the same offense? Let's not kid ourselves. Zach Wilson's the future. They're paying him a lot of money. The kid's very talented. I think, though, the injury. He stinks, you think? You think he stinks? Oh. No, I think, the, I think the injury is the best thing that happened to him. I think sitting down for a couple of weeks and watching everything transpire and getting a handle of the offense, he was way over his head. And I think now it gives him an opportunity to sit back. Listen, if White continues to win and continues to throw up great numbers, you just keep playing him. You keep playing him until he crashes. Then you bring the, the kid back in. But at this point in time, ride, ride the wave. Have fun. I, I Why do you keep that. looking at my feet? I, they can't see, but you continue <laughs> to look at my out. feet. I don't understand why. They're feet and flip-flops. I don't know how the camera angle is on that thing, but from my <laughs> angle, three of them were stacked on top of each other. <laughs> All right, and it's just it's disgusting. But everything that's coming out of your mouth is so good. You know, it was very, that, was a very, that was a very logical Jets take right there. Yeah, that, that was a very good Jets take, which Thank we don't you. do a see, lot. See, I just don't talk about... Sports entertainment. In Cleveland, when he was a general manager for the Browns, he's been a coaching 
assistant coaching advisor for the New England Patriots. He's an author. He has podcasts. He does uh, everything. And he's the guy that we call on to not only say, hey, Paisan, how's your family? But also, whenever there's a contract situation that he's probably been through before, even though we might not have heard of it publicly, he's the guy to come on and maybe explain some shit like what's going on in Cleveland with OBJ. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Lombardi. Yeah! Lombardi! How are we doing? Good to see everybody. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Lomba, how's your family? We're good. Doing good. Got the big, got the Lombardi Bowl this week, Pat. Got Ooh, Carolina, uh, the assistant quarterback coach at Carolina, playing my other son, who's the wide receiver coach at the New England Patriots. So this is going to be a tough one this weekend. This will be hard. Yeah, the family will be split. But in the end, you guys will come around some gravy, and really, especially yeah. going into the holiday season. <laughs> well, somebody's going to win, so that's a good thing. Last week we were 2-0, and which was a good thing. So we'll see how this goes. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but it, it, it's my wife that I'm most worried about. Okay, so the Lombardi Bowl has been overshadowed a little bit this morning because Matt Rule came out and said – they coach at the Senior Bowl. Matt Jones just a couple days removed from a national championship. He's out there practicing. He said they were throwing a lot of words at him and everything like that, and they knew within five or ten minutes they spent with him that he was potentially going to be a guy. You could see how intelligent he was the first day. We put a lot of install in, a lot of words in, just to see if they could recite it, and you could see pretty quickly he had a feel for the game. He had some moxie, and he was really, really intelligent and accurate and could throw the deep ball at a high level he's just got the juice spending time with him you could tell yeah i, I mean that look, back up you could tell how he loves football he just won the national championship game and he's out there practicing with us this is via nesn.com and the thought is matt rule said that and thought that and after the trade was made by the 49ers Everybody assumed it was Mac Jones. Then all of a sudden, Trey Lance is the number three overall pick, and Mac Jones Who? slides past Justin Fields even that gets traded up in Chicago. Was this something that Matt Rule is just like, after no, you think he's bullshitting about this, or do you think this was the overall narrative, and how did everybody miss on him that early, and how did the Patriots end up with this guy? Well, I, I think a lot of it was perception. You know, I think what – what killed Mac Jones more than anything was that picture of him after the game smoking the cigar with his shirt off. I think that, you know, I mean, that was probably the worst picture of all time. Like, how can this guy be an NFL player with a body like that? You know, it's like, seriously. Yeah, you know, and it was remarkable, right? I mean, all Swaddle and Smith, both of the top receivers said, oh, he's better than Tua. They didn't even, they weren't even prompted. They said he was better than Tua. He was getting endorsements without ever trying to get the political campaign going. So I think a lot of it was that picture, Pat. I really do. And the fact that he came out of nowhere. Nobody expected him to do this. Nobody expected him to be this kind of player and have this type of success so quickly. So, you know, I think what Matt said was true. And, and, and look, I, I think the quarterback position is really an instinctive position. I think it's when your mama lifts you from the crib, you either you are or you're not. Like, it can't be trained. You have an instinct to you, you know. And this kid has it. Like, some guys, we see these guys with great arms and they have no feel to play the position. It's it's a crib thing. It's a crib thing. And Mac Jones, when his mama lifted him from the crib, he was a quarterback. <laughs> Hell okay. yeah! Lombardi, uh, let's flipping that and, and using that for another player. What do you think Odell Beckham Jr.'s mom thought when she lifted him <laughs> from the crib or the womb? And what do you think they're doing right now in Cleveland? What are they talking about with his agent? It's all about money, right? They're saying, like, look, we'll let you go, but we want money back. I mean, this is always to follow the money, right? Like, 
like to me, I said this two days ago. I tweeted it out. I said, look, just cut the guy. You know, it's like free Ferris Bueller, free Odell. Just let him go. Like he's only going to cause more disruption to your team. He's not going to help you win. He hasn't helped you win in a while. He hasn't helped you win since he got into Cleveland. Let's be real honest. He hasn't been the same player in the, since he left New York. He hasn't. I mean, that's just fact. He's dropped way too many balls. I learned this a long time ago. Ozzie Newsome, the great tight end. You know, when he first left pro football, he came up to join us in the scouting department in Cleveland. And, he, and one day we're watching tape together, and he says to me, you know, when I started dropping easy balls, I knew my legs were gone. And I was like, Oz, I don't understand that. Explain that to me. He said, when I started to drop balls that I typically caught, I felt like I had no juice in my lower body. And when you watch Odell, he drops a lot of balls that he typically should catch. And because of the injuries and because of his career, the way it's gone, I don't think he's got juice left in his lower body. I really don't. And that that statement, Belichick and I still talk about that Ozzy evaluation. And that was 1992 when he told us that. Fascinating. Odell. I see it with Odell. And I think he's just not been the same player. And I think with Cleveland, I don't Cleveland's on the hook for the money. Right? They're they're on the hook for the money no matter what they do. So why would Odell do anything but take all the money? Quick question here, just a follow-up. Now, there is a video that's like 10 minutes long that OBS put out o Odell Beckham <laughs> Sr. about Odell being open, and although he did drop some balls, I think there are still some plays. So that whole thing on whether or not he still got juice in his legs or not will be literally determined here as the time rolls on. And we'll all be able to see it, I think. We'll all be able to know. He might go somewhere with a different quarterback, different scheme, and absolutely tear it up. I don't think any of us could have a clue at this point of what's going to happen, honestly. And I think that's not a good thing for Odell because it was he was a lock that he's a superstar just a couple years ago. Now it's like we don't know what's going to happen. And I think that is what's holding up Andrew Barry in Cleveland, right? Because if they cut him, and I didn't know this, and I guess this is a rule that has changed. I didn't know that vets had to go through the waiver wire. That's kind of yeah. fucked up. So if, it, if they cut him and he gets picked up, which he's not going to with $8.05 million left, there's no way that'll happen. They'll pay him that money, and then he'll be able to go sign somewhere else and double dip, right? And then yeah. if, he, if he gets picked up in the waiver wire, that's good for Cleveland, right? That, that's, right? that's great news for them. That's what they're. Why didn't they trade him? Did they not know this was potentially coming? And do you think this has been handled how you would handle it looking back? Nobody wanted to trade for him because nobody wanted to look. Let's put let's go back to Von Miller, right? Von Miller got traded because Denver paid nine million dollars for a second and a third round pick. That's really the transaction. Denver paid nine million dollars and they got a second and a third round pick because they were going to cut Von Miller at the end of the year. They were going to pay Von Miller nine point five million all the way through. So they traded him for a second and a third round pick. They spent $9 million for a second and a third. It's a good deal for Denver. It's a good deal for the Rams, assuming he can play at a better level. Okay? So that deal. Odell, nobody was willing to pay. Nobody wanted to, nobody wanted to take on the money. So Cleveland was going to have to pay it, and they were going to get no compensation for him. So why do we trade him? Okay? Now, here's what happens on the waiver wire. If you're a vested veteran and you get – and you after the trading deadline, you must go through the waiver wire. But your contract the following year becomes null and void, meaning that you become a free agent at the end of the year. Ah, okay. Okay, so it isn't like they assume your whole contract. You become a free agent. So even though Odell's on the books at $17 million next year, he would be a free agent. But in perspective here, Odell's going to be a free agent next year anyway. The Browns are going to cut him at the end of the year. So they couldn't get any compensation for him. They're on the hook to pay him, and I'm sure they're deciding, should we just keep him? Should we get rid of him? And then Odell Sr., who I, I got to take the class he took in computers because I don't know how to do what he did. That's just, 
how he put together that video. I mean, I'm in all of it. I really am. I don't know how the hell he did it. I don't know how to do all that Snapchat. (laughs) He posted it sideways. He's a good follow on Instagram. I think that's why I got so many eyes, and I assume somebody potentially edited it for him. But the fact that he's... You know, put that out there. Everybody assumes, okay, Odell probably feels the same way as OBS. OBJ probably feel the same exact way. And then Baker comes out and says, like, any conversation would be good, let alone an apology. And is he hurt? No, but he's surprised. So it's like, if that video is out and OBJ's ghosting Baker, you could see how Baker's potentially, like, in a whole different place. And you don't need that type of thing in your locker room. So Andrew Barry, by excusing him, is trying to eliminate that immediately before deciding what to do. Is that what's going on? I think he should just cut him. I don't know. I, I don't know what the conversation is because the agent's basically saying, to "Andrew Barry, Andrew, you owe me the money. Either you let my guy in the building or cut him." That's the conversation. And Andrew, I don't know what he's trying to get out of it. He has no options. Andrew has no cards left to play. He can't find him for conduct detrimental. That would be a you know he can't do that. That was a father who did that. It wasn't him. So he can't find him for that. There's really no card Andrew has to play other than he doesn't want him around the team. And if you don't want him around the team, then let him go. Let him go to somewhere else. Let him go to New Orleans. New Orleans would take him. They need somebody to replace Michael Thomas. And Sean's good at dealing with guys with these kind of personalities. Sean Payton's very good at dealing with it. So what could the Browns, are are they possibly trying to say, hey, let's restructure your deal to pay you half of your salary and then we'll cut you so then someone could claim him? Like, what are they trying to do? Yeah, I think that's what they're trying to do. I think, but they have no, but, but, but Odell has no reason to cooperate. He's going to get the money no matter what. It's guaranteed. It's, it's guaranteed that he gets the money. So he has no reason to take anything less. He has no, there's no, and, and if you don't want him, just cut him. Yeah. No one, he doesn't want to be claimed though, right, Mike? Odell, no. he wants to become no, a free agent. No one, no one will claim because if yeah. you claimed him, you take Cleveland off the guarantee hook. If you Could claim, they, but if they be, somehow talked him into it, if they somehow talked him into reducing his salary, would someone claim him? Yes, but they, they might. But then he, why would he take less money? Why yeah, would he, he won't? T- it's a non-starter. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, it, it does. You're in the. He has to the, get out of there. He's in the perfect position. If he wants to get out of there, you know, then then cut me. Either let me play or cut me. Okay, let's uh, move on from that. Let's talk about another general manager that's potentially making some waves. Old Life Sneed, I guess, was gifted a uh, a mug from his kids and said, uh, fuck those pics or fuck these pics or something like that, which is a meme on the internet. Les Sneed, obviously, the general manager of the Los Angeles Rams, who don't have a number one overall for the next seven years. They made plays to get Matthew Stafford. They just gave up picks for Von Miller. They've done this for years and years at this point. Jalen Ramsey, even at... I mean, they have loaded up on big-time players and said, we'll let you all figure out the draft. Once those players get good, then we're going to want them over here <laughs> in L.A. Why? And I heard him speak in a video, and it sounded like he was defending like the power of picks, where his actions, though, are, are I think, pretty much in the same alignment of me and AJ. It's like, fuck these picks. Like, legitimately, you have no idea what you're getting, especially if you have a window to win a Super Bowl. But it sounded like Les Snead didn't want to be the guy that's known as somebody that doesn't like the draft. Why would that be? Why would he not just own the fact that this is what they do? And do you see this becoming a blueprint for a lot of other teams to try in the future? I think he's just trying to keep his scouting staff happy, right? I think he's just trying to keep it kind of make his scouts feel like they have some value, right? When he knows that they've gone all in. I mean, this is no different than the scene in Rounders where, you know, Matt Damon went all the way in on the thing. He, you know, he knew that the guy was sick, was licking the cookie and he didn't have a good hand. He just went all the way, in, you know? So 
I think they, they, they see Stafford's time. They see, look, they get Von Miller. Think about this. They have Leonard Floyd, Von Miller, and, and Aaron, Aaron, uh, Aaron, uh, Joe, uh, Aaron, get Donald, uh, Jesus. Aaron Donald. I was, I got my Aaron's all screwed up. But anyway, they got Aaron Donald inside. So what's the number one thing you want to do as a defensive front? If you can rush five and get that offensive line to block one-on-one, you're going to win a matchup, right? One of those three guys are going to win the matchup. And I think that's where the Rams are. They're going to rush five. They're going to get a one-on-one with Donald. They're going to get a one-on-one with Floyd or one-on-one with Miller. And they feel like they're going to win the matchup. And all they got to do is hold on for a little bit. And they got a chance to improve because their defense hasn't been playing to the level that we thought they could play to. So it's a move that they made. They give up a, a low second because they're going to be picking in the 20s. We know that. A low third. They're going to be picking in the high 60s. So they give up very little. But for Denver, it gives them arsenal to potentially go get a, a, a quarterback next year. Why Mike. isn't everybody doing that? Just a, uh, Sorry about that, AJ. Why doesn't everybody do that? Because I think it's because teams are really reluctant to take on the salary. Teams are luck- reluctant to give away the draft picks. They know the draft. Uh, the Rams are the old 72 Washington football team with George Allen. They're the, you know, the over the hill. They, they don't want draft picks. That team never wanted draft picks. Remember when, I mean, I think. I don't. Remember, when Bill Gibbs first got to Washington, his first pick was Don Warren in the fifth round. That's how much Washington valued draft picks. So, you know, they don't value them because they want to win right now. And they don't mind spending money. And look, this is a deal where they didn't spend money. They spent a half a million dollars on their cap. And they gave up a second and a third round pick. And for Denver, they bought a two and a three for nine million. Mike, how much do you think outside forces like your fan base and the media affect these front office people making these decisions? Oh, I think it's really the salary caps affects these decisions more than anybody. The media, I don't think, really plays into it. I, I think really? there's a, I think it's the salary cap. I think, you know, I, a Green Bay probably wanted to make a trade, but Green Bay couldn't make a trade because they couldn't find a, a way to make the deal that satisfied themselves in terms of what they were going to have to give up to get somebody, right? So, so let's take Evan Ingram, the tight end for, for the New York football Giants. He's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. The Giants know if, if they don't re-sign him, he'll go in the compensatory pool and they'll get at least a third-round pick. So somebody's got to offer him something better than that if they want to trade him. If you're Green Bay, do you offer a two for this guy knowing he's only going to be there for a year? You know, it becomes that's the game that's being played on 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 trade deadline day, and that game really ends up being a lot of conversations and no trades. Go ahead, Ty. Michael, speaking of the Packers, all the bullshit with Aaron Rodgers aside, uh, with him not playing on Sunday, the line jumping up the way it does, do you think Jordan Love and the Packers still have a pretty good chance to beat the Chiefs? I mean, they haven't looked great, but obviously not having Rodgers is huge. I mean, look, I mean, Matt LaFleur is the first coach to 40 wins in the National Football League as fast as he did it, and I think number 12 had a lot to do with that. I mean, there's no player, there's no player, you talk to any bookmaker, there's no player that determines the line more than Rodgers. And I think this was very much the indication so of that's it. So that's MVP. That's MVP, right? I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, look. Seven look, points, most yeah. valuable player. We're going to find out how good of a coach Matt LaFleur is without 12 in the game. I mean, he, he makes everything go. He makes it all go. I mean, he checks him into the right play. He throws the ball with precision accuracy. He makes you defend the width and the length of the field. Plus, he can move around in the pocket, and he, and he subsidizes a defense that has some holes in it. You know, so he, as John Madden once said, he's the deodorant that covers up all the sins. And the line reflects that. I mean, do you think LaFleur would have won 40 games without 12? Yeah, he sins. He, he, he lied. Uh-huh. <laughs> he yeah. He lied. He misled that whole thing. It's insane to see that, though, because Dak Prescott 
is ruled out for a game. It moves like a point and a half or something like that. They, Six. It oh, did from, it move? It went from plus three to minus or minus three to plus three. Oh, never mind. I'm completely full of shit. No, but no, I, I think completely I, full of shit. Clear. I think this is really nobody moves the line like this guy does. In fact, that line was messed up when that game opened up. Uh, Diggs will tell you that game was up. There's no way Kansas City should have been the favorite in that game. Green Bay. I mean, did you guys jump on that? Did we get in on that? How come I didn't see a tweet from anybody? Hey, what's going on? <laughs> As it, I mean, Green Bay opened up, I think uh, Kansas City opened up a two-and-a-half-point favor on, on Sunday night. And then when it came out, it flipped. And so there was no way. In my power rankings, I had Green Bay should have been a four-point favorite in the game. Ooh. There's no way. There's nobody's looking at numbers. And the way the Chiefs have played the last three weeks offensively, there's no way the Chiefs should have been favored in that. I know they were playing at home, and they want two-way betting on both sides, so they were going to make it. And eventually, got to be a pick'em. It would have been a pick'em game before the news came out. How do you view it now? Uh, I view well. If I had any faith in, it, look, I don't think Patrick Mahomes is playing good right now. I think, I think right now he's struggling. I don't think his confidence is there. He doesn't look happy. I think the way they're playing, deal. the way the safeties are playing. The, the Chiefs, how deep they are. They want to take Tyreek Hill out. The offensive line hasn't played well. I've never seen an offense that gets bored with 10-yard gains like the Chiefs do. They get bored. <laughs> uh, you know, they get bored. So I like the Chiefs, but I don't have any faith in the Packers without 12 under center. Go ahead, Connor. Lombardi, what did uh, Stephen Gilmore mean when he said he didn't like how the Patriots handled his injury? Is that having to do with him being uh, put on the pup list when the season started? And also, why wouldn't the Patriots just keep him if he was comfortable playing on his one-year deal and then going into free agency? You know, I, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know what happened with the medical on his. Maybe it was the second opinion. Maybe it was initially when he was first treated for the injury. That I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I think they felt like if they could get rid of that salary off their cap, it cleared them up for next year, and they didn't feel like he was going to play this year. That's the only thing I could think of. But certainly they need him. I mean, they do need him. J.C. Jackson mispracticed again today with the flu. They could use a corner on that team. And he – Still got it, by the way. Walked right up to Phil Snow, defense coordinator for the Panthers, said, uh, give me Pitt. This is your first game here? Give me Pitts. Yeah, I'll just take him. Don't worry about it. Yeah, and that's what is best, Pat. When, when, when Gilmore doesn't have to worry about whether I'm in cover two, whether three, whether I'm one buzz, what am I in? You know, when he could just say, you got that guy, he's really good. Well, I don't know why Phil Snow wouldn't do that, especially in that three three five that they're running over top. Go ahead and get rid of the guy. You got ten other people. Go ahead and run your shit. Lombo, it seems like the books are begging us to take the Chargers and the Cardinals as short dogs on the road against the Eagles and Niners, respectively. You taking the bait on any of the, either of those? You know, when that line opened up, I thought it was light when the Chargers were two and a half dogs or two and a half favorites, and then now it's moved to Philly. I don't understand why it's moving to Philly. Like, I don't. What has Philly done? Because they beat Detroit. You know, like <laughs> seriously, like what has Philly done? And can Philly stop a good quarterback? Detroit stinks, dude. Awful. Come on. Worst team ever. All right, last question. Hey, before we got to let you go here, tonight's game, what are your thoughts? You like – I think anytime a quarterback plays, a young quarterback plays, and you get a first exposure to him, the second game's the hardest game because teams now have tape on you. And he threw a lot of underneath yards. He had two, over 200 yards after the catch in the game against the Bengals. Close I think stats. I think it'll be a harder game for him this week. I would take the points in the Jets, but I think it'll be a seven-point game. But I, I think Mike White will struggle a little bit more. I'm just not sold the Colts' defense is good enough. Can I show you this risk-free same-game parlay that we're rolling with tonight? I will be in the house, so that's something to think about. The same-game parlay that we're rolling with tonight, Carson Wentz over 225. 
Michael Pittman Jr. with no T.Y. Hilton over 70 yards. Jonathan Taylor to score two touchdowns. Okay, hey, we're going to need one there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because they check out to handle him the ball, I think, mm-hmm. in a lot of touchdown scoring yeah. things. But now that he's the player of the month, and it's been a lot about not getting him the ball, maybe Jim Irsay sang a song in the park to Frank Reich <laughs> about giving John Taylor the ball whenever it's goal line situation. And the Colts win by five and a half. So when you said seven there, that was great news for me. How do you feel about this? I, I like it. I, the one thing I would add is I would add Jonathan Taylor's receiving yards into this because I think he's going to catch the ball in the backfield. Okay. By the way, I would like to let you know the council had a meeting this morning. Jonathan Taylor's receiving yards were very much a conversation because normally he gets about three catches in yeah. those screens. He has over 100 on some of them, and he has a negative day on some of them. So we just said we'll take that out because we don't know. But we do know he's potentially going to score on one of those, which is great yeah. news. I think they're going to after they watched after they watched my man uh, in the red zone last week, Carson Wentz. I think that this <laughs> offense is going to run through Jonathan Taylor tonight. Fucking go! Yeah, we need Carson to throw though. That's we right. Still, still need Carson to throw. Uh, we can't thank you enough. Uh, thank you, writer for the Daily Coach, uh, the GM Shuffle Podcast, the Lombardi Line host. Former GM, now author, TED Talk giver, ladies and gentlemen, Michael Lombardi. Now that the world's opening back up, so many new thrills are on the horizon. Okay. And whether you've been in a relationship for years or just getting started, we're excited to get back out there and meet new people. Hell yeah. When the moment comes... It's not come too quick. Oh, <laughs> here we go. That is not what they had in their copy. Okay. <laughs> they should. That was, I think they're going in a different direction. So let's go back a sentence or two. Okay. Okay. When you, when the moment comes, you want to be ready. Hell That's yeah. true. Yeah. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for erectile dysfunction, Ooh. all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Once you take care of that, though, you get the Roman swipes, and guess what? Ha! Lasts a long time. Banging up, banging up, banging up. Yeah, it's yeah. Pete Alonzo at the all <laughs> yes. at the home run derby. Boom. That's right. Dingers. Downtown. Bingo. Occup- <laughs> Population you, dude. Hell yeah. Roman ready equals confidence. The confidence that you know you can rise to the occasion in the moment. We're looking at the Summer of Love 2021 version, and Roman wants to make sure you can participate in your way. Whether that be as a single person or a couple who would still rather stay in with each other, a U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you for free with two-day shipping. Okay. That's huge. Free? The shipping's free. Wow. I believe. Not the... Not the medication. Free two-day shipping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Go to GetRoman.com slash McAfee today, and if you're prescribed, you can get 50% off your first month of ED treatment. Okay. That's G-E-T-R-O-M-A-N.com slash M-C-A-F-E-E. And if you're prescribed, you can get 50% off your first month of erectile dysfunction treatment. Make sure you're ready to have confidence and control this summer. Roman ready. Yeah, well, sports entertainment, you crush. I mean, you have to bounce. Thank but, you. but you are a natural, like you, Jets, obviously, you grew up in there. But your passion in the sports world was baseball. Baseball. Like, always has been. No doubt. And so you like the Jets, they stink. You like baseball, it stinks. You like the Mets, though, of the baseball, they've oh, yeah, stunk. Mets, yes. 
So, so you just enjoy, like, what is it about baseball? I'm a New York fan. I was brought up in New York. So I'm a Knicks fan, too. So that's been a horrible decade before this year and last year. So uh, We had a guy get a yellow card last night at the yeah. uh, Knicks yeah. Masters game. He, got, he yelled at the ref too much. He got a yellow, uh, an NBA yeah. warning <laughs> card. That's real. Oh, yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. In this office, as a Knicks fan, wearing a Knicks jersey, Patrick Ewing shoes, Bruce Braun, yelling at the ref, accosting the ref. He was one section back, so he's yelling over people's heads, and it's quiet in there, and it's echoing through. Somebody from an NBA league official had to come over yeah. and issued him a warning <laughs> and sat him down and said, "Next time you're out of here." Yeah. That's right. I don't think it's. I don't think it's. Slowing I would have left the way the Pacers are playing. I see. I don't even know who yeah, won. See. The Pacers. The Pacers won. Pacers. Oh, yeah. yeah. They went shit out of the Knicks. TJ McConnell's a fucking ball player. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Scrappy. Um, but whenever you think about baseball and you saw how the World Series ended, and you're a diehard baseball fan. Mm-hmm. You literally watch baseball like you actually watch it. I, I don't know how anybody – that's awesome. By the way, it's awesome. It's, he watches full games, though. Jesus. Not just goes through the it's highlights. It's difficult, though, as uh, it, things changed after the home run race with McGuire and Sosa. Baseball really changed over the last 20 years. Um, as a kid growing up, it was an unbelievable sport. I mean, you – there was so much strategy involved. People actually stole bases. Um, pitchers went nine innings. You had a couple of relief p- pitchers on the team. Now it's just... Analytics, you think? Is it all analytic it, it's, based? It's all analytic based. But there's the still problem. some great stories. For instance, there are. the Atlanta Braves winning the World Series mm-hmm. is fucking huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? I mean, that is, that's big for baseball mm-hmm. as a whole, right? Because TBS, I, even as a child who you know grew up in Pittsburgh... Sell the team. Well, mm-hmm. it was also the... Sell the team. The entire year was a celebration of Hank Aaron, who died earlier this year probably the greatest brave ever to play the game so the fact that they won the world series capping off the celebration of, of henry aaron you know arguably the greatest ball player of all time uh was just an incredible story and the fact that this team back in july lost ron Acuna, who one of the greatest players in baseball today and still go on to win the world series is absolutely incredible well and, and that's because of men like the man who will be joining us right now <laughs> I, and thank you for making it appear as if this show does have some sort of baseball knowledge <laughs> mm-hmm. there, Michael Cole, because everything you just said could have been said by us over time, and we just failed to do so, which is obviously on us. We need to be better hosts whenever we're covering it. But I did get a chance to learn about one particular player from the Atlanta Braves over the last few hours here. Once I learned this man was coming on the show, it came out of nowhere, by the way. Mm-hmm. Pretty excited about it. And he's an absolute stud. Cut a promo after game four. Game four, by the way, uh, I don't remember what inning. It was late. Hits a game-tying home run. Then he gets interviewed about coming back home to Georgia. And he never expected it. He was a diamondback. He got traded out of nowhere. Die-hard Falcons fan. Die-hard Hawks fan. Now now he's playing for the hometown. He's from Met Mary- Killer. Met Killer. Everybody seems to be that. <laughs> but the uh, this dude is electrifying. Then obviously in the the World Series winning him hits another dong shot. Ooh. Ladies and gentlemen, shortstop for the Atlanta Braves, Dansby Swanson. What's up, dude? How y'all doing? How's it, how have you been doing? You pretty good. Is it much similar to the other sports? Whenever you win, you've been on one here, huh? Yeah. Oh, it's. I'm exhausted. Dude. <laughs> I played a uh, 193 games this year, like including spring training. So I'm just like spent, really. Yeah, emotionally as well. And I'd assume after that incredible long marathon of a season, and then it ends with such a high point. 
I'd assume the celebration that comes after that is maybe uh, wearing off at this point a little later in the week, and I'm assuming there's a parade coming or whatever. Uh, but at what point do you get over the length of the season? 193 games. That is so, so many games. You guys are rock stars on the road every single day. At what point do you kind of like get away and get back into it now? Have you even thought about that? Does it change as you get older? So, the, I mean, this year was different because last year, obviously, we had like the sprint of a year. We played 60 games in the regular season. Then you went right into the postseason. You were in a bubble. They kind of changed the playoff format, so it was way different um, than any of the previous years. But this year, you go back to the full 162, you add in spring training. I played, I think, 17 games in spring and then another 16 in the playoffs. So, um, yeah, I mean, it absurd. Like, <laughs> I, I don't think people realize, like, we play 162 games in 180 days, and what a joke. like, what I think people don't realize that how much that is. But then you also add in the fact of, like, we'll fly from Atlanta all the way out to LA and play the next night. Like, you won't get a day off. You know, like that's what people don't see. Like, we'll get into a hotel at four in the morning and have a game that next night at seven. How like, do it's you- not like it's you know it's not like. Yeah, it's not like oh you get let, let you get your bearings together like no like it's grind time you know like like you're ready to go. Well, somehow your team got better late, right? Like I'm not 100 percent sure if I know the entire story. Michael Cole, who's an avid baseball fan, voice of the WWE, is going to ask you a question here momentarily that I think is absolutely incredible. But how do you manage fatigue in the body? Because obviously, game four uh, of the World Series, you hit a bomb. Uh, then obviously in this uh, game six, there you hit a another one. How do you maintain strength and fatigue is that just something how do you guys do it because you see some baseball players by the way right I mean there's a couple out there that are okay they don't care about (laughs) physical health much it just seems like they're here to do their thing then it seems like there's probably people that are over the top like super duper every meal scripted out how do you maintain through that long of a that's six months right I mean that's a fucking long time well you I mean obviously I mean you know like you you get after in the off season so that you can withstand like a 162 right um to be able to be in shape. And it's not necessarily like, you know, my girlfriend gave me a hard time because she could run laps around me, you know, when it comes to like actual oh, really? conditioning. Uh, yeah, you guys just, don't she, run she ever. She professional really? soccer. I mean, you, oh, <laughs> oh, she's a, yeah, 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 she yeah. runs marathons for fun. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. She enjoys, like, she enjoys the the run part of it. And I'm like so out on the run, you know, like yeah. I'm, like I'll meet me in the weight room. I'll do my, you know, I'll do my deadlifts. I'll do my trap bar stuff like I'm cool with that, but anything that we start getting the cardio up, I I gotta get like forced to do it. How about a shortstop there? Hey, how about a shortstop there? You gotta be quick, right? That's something where you gotta be quick. How do, do you train for that specifically? Is that some guys? Because that's a position where stuff happens, right? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. a lot of stuff yeah. happens at shortstop. Right? Uh, a lot of it. A lot of it. Uh, baseball instincts are a big part. Like just just some of the reaction stuff is is the anticipation of like knowing what's gonna happen before it happens. So that's part of it. But when it comes to training for it, I mean, obviously you do some different like footwork things and some different reactionary stuff that kind of just sharpens that skill and kind of keeps it, keeps it locked in. But honestly, the, the thing about baseball that's so unique is the only way to get better at, at it is to actually do it. Like if you want to get better at taking ground balls, like your footwork, I'm just a big believer in taking ground balls. Like do all the ladder drills you want. Ain't nobody pulling a ladder out at shortstop and you do a ladder drill and then you catch a ball. Like, nobody does that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I'm, I'm a big fan of, like, doing the real thing. Um, so, yeah, that's just, I mean, that's just kind of my style. But hey, it's working. When it, comes to, when it comes to 162, 
everyone's got their own thing. I'm not a believer in like being super, super strict because I feel like, especially like if you stress yourself out because you're trying to be so on point, that's not going to help either. But if you do absolutely nothing, then that's not going to help. Like you find the moderation of knowing when and what to eat at certain times, like knowing, okay, you know, I've kind of let it loose here for a week. Like I need to kind of lock it back in for a week. Uh, you know, I've had a few too many beverages <laughs> the past week. I need to kind of tone down for a week. Like there's a, there's a mix and a balance of it. You make sure you go in the weight room and kind of get a few lifts in, you know, on, on certain game days and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, you just kind of utilize all the resources that you can. It's a full lifestyle. And speaking of food and treating yourself, this leads to a great question from the voice <laughs> of the WWE. Hey, Dansby, congratulations, by the way. Congrats, Dansby. So I'm a Mets fan, and you guys broke our heart. Uh, obviously, we were in first place for much of the year, and then <laughs> typical New York style, we collapsed. Huh. Um, but tell me about you guys, because you guys tread water for, for much of the season. I mean, until after the All-Star break, when you started to get hot a little bit. And I heard a story, and I want to know if this is true, that it all sort of went your way when you guys went to Fenway to play the Red Sox in an interleague game. And you guys noticed that there was a, an ice cream machine uh, for the players. And you guys went back to Atlanta, and you had Freddie Freeman, your first baseman, lobby your general manager to put a soft-serve ice cream machine in the clubhouse. And that started the winning streak and sent you guys to the World Series. Is there truth to that story? Huh? So there is, there is massive truth when it comes to Boston's the only place that has the soft-serve ice cream machine. And so, like, because we, we, we go there usually once a year, once every couple of years. And, like, that's what everyone's looking forward to. It's not playing in Fenway. It's the ice cream. Oh, yeah. And so we, we, we lobbied for it. We got back home. We are like, listen, this is going to bring the boys together. All right? If we get an ice cream machine and I get my magic shell, you know, chocolate shell thing that can go in the ice cream, I'm going to be locked in for these games. So sure enough, we were able to, you know, Freddie pulled his weight around a little bit and was like, hey, we're going to get an ice cream machine. And that kind of started, I wouldn't say that necessarily brought the winning streak, but that got everybody going in the right direction. We were all, we were all on board after we got the ice cream machine. Now that we want it all, our next thing that we want is a margarita machine. Yeah, that's, hey, there you that's go. the next Hey, thing. did you guys have those little helmets, the baseball helmets? Oh, oh, oh we got them. Oh, oh we you got, got it. So you put the little soft serves oh, yeah. in there and all that? That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Hey, let's, let's, talk, let's, let's talk about not just the margarita machine. It feels like you guys could probably make a lot of requests. You need to do that now, too, as we're hung over with celebration here. You know what I mean? You guys yeah. need to have, hey, we like the margarita machine as well, mm -hmm. Dyer. Mm -hmm. Nacho. Right. Nacho, <laughs> right, bar, right. nacho bar, maybe you need a little bit of that. Because it sounds great that your team in ownership, it seems like, is all like, hey, okay, let's go ahead and do that. And I know you got traded from the Diamondbacks over to Atlanta, and you said it was surprising. I think if I listen to the uh, interview you did after game four of the World Series, which is awesome, by the way, you fucking crushed that. You should feel very good. WWE-like. It was. It was yep. kind of promo-esque. It was incredible. It was ve very baby-faced, wasn't it? Yes. I mean, it went was. through the entire story and then the mm -hmm. whole thing there. Yeah, it was. It was great fucking promo. Just, just real, man. I mean, it's funny. It's like people, people talk about that interview, but like I've always been a man of like truth and honesty, and that's just like that's, that's what it what it felt you know like that's what it, it felt like like the emotions were you know i'm an atlanta lifer like i keep saying that and i i obviously i grew up here but 
like I'm I'm always ATL like in everything I do like I'm I'm all Atlanta rap music like I'm I'm huge in, in all the Atlanta scene of that you can think of like that's what I love and it just kind of came out that way you know and very truthfully but the crazy story I'll tell you so when I got traded I I hadn't even I played maybe 20 games in the minor leagues with Diamondbacks like this was this was fresh out of getting drafted by Arizona I was in Nashville because I went to Vandy so I was in Nashville for the off season. And I was at dinner with uh, a bunch of like Nike executives because the winter meetings for baseball were being held in Nashville. So they were in town. They wanted to go to dinner. So we're, we're downtown Nashville at, at a nice dinner, sitting there having great conversation. And my phone is blowing up, like blowing up. And I'm not going to be that guy and pull my phone out at dinner. Like that's just rude anyways. But I'm not going to do it with these guys especially. Yeah. And so one of them was like, hey, I need to go to the bathroom or whatever. And I saw one of them pull their phone out. And I was like, okay, maybe this is like the time to just check to see like what's going on. The first text I read was, is it true? And that's the worst text you can oh. like, You're like, I, I, I don't know what you're referring to. And usually that's not a good thing. Like, is it true? Like, what am I getting arrested? I, I, I haven't done anything, but you don't know. Yeah. So then... I, I found out that same guy sends me a screenshot from Twitter that I had gotten traded. And that's pretty much how I found out. Because my agents, they were in a, a big meeting with a bunch of different teams on one of their really big free agents they had at the time. And so like they weren't aware either. Like Nobody was aware. And then all of a sudden, everyone's phone's getting blown up because you know I was getting traded. And it was just a, it was like a shock. Let me you know, go like through, it, like, let, let me run through this real quick, uh, just so I can go back, because I don't know baseball that well. I do know that, like, Pat White was uh, quarterback at West Virginia. He got drafted, like, three, four different times because everybody thought they'd have his naming rights, at least, whenever he was done with baseball. And I think it happened in high school and then through college. So you end up at Vandy. So that means you got drafted at, a, you were number one overall. Did you get drafted number one overall at a high school, and then you chose to go to Vandy, and then they still had your rights, or was it after you played through Vandy? So I, I got drafted my senior year out of high school. It was like a courtesy pick, like in like the 38th round. Like it was like a, hey, oh, you awesome. deserve to hear your name get drafted kind of deal. Like we know you're going to school. See you in three years. So when the purpose of like the naming right stuff is if you get drafted. So let's say you're like a sophomore eligible. You get drafted and you don't sign. That same team has your rights for a year, essentially. So... I got drafted by the Rockies out of high school, like I said, as a courtesy pick. And then I went to Vandy for three years uh, and came out as, you know. Fucking pick, dominated. Kind of <laughs> yeah. I mean, God, that is awesome. 38th pick, the number one overall. Three years later, now you're a World Series champ in your hometown. What a fucking life. Hey, Dansby. Uh, yeah. Hey, Dansby. Hey, it's a great, it, is a, it is a great life. And like I said on the uh, that interview, like, I didn't. I didn't know that coming home would be the best thing that ever happened to me. Obviously, I love it here, but everyone knows, like, when you get traded, like that, that's a crap feeling, dude. Like, it, you feel like someone doesn't want you, right? You're like, you're just getting kicked to the curb. Also, I didn't want to be home because I didn't want to get bothered all the time. I yes, was like, I was ready to to be out, kind of form my own like new life out in Arizona, and and you know, my family would want to come to visit. Like, by all means, they could, but I was not about it. And then. Slowly but surely, I started to realize, like, this was the best thing that ever happened to me. I got four nephews. I get to see them grow up. Yeah. Uh, I got my family, obviously, my parents. 
Um, my brother and sister, they both, they live here. So I get to see them all the time. Um, hey, my girlfriend, a- Mallory, would never have met her. Uh, she, her brother-in-law is Jace Peterson, who um, is a, one of my best friends. And he had played, he had, was playing on the Braves at the time. So like, that's how we met. And it's just like, you start adding all these things up. Like, never would have lined up if I didn't get traded back home. Yeah, the universe is an interesting thing. You know, the, the, the way things work out is always uh, incredible looking back. Steve Jobs has a quote that says, you can't connect the dots looking forward, right? You can only do that looking back. You just got to hope that every step you're going will make sense in the end or something like that. And it's like so incredibly real, especially hearing you, you know, experience the success you had. I was scared to death if I ended up on the Pittsburgh Steelers. I would, from Pittsburgh, I, my friends, the savages at that age that we had, I would have never made it. I'd be selling uh, sandwiches I, right now. There, there were some growing pains, I'll tell you. There were some growing pains because right when I, right when I got called up basically i was actually living at home it was like a month worth it was like the last month of the season and then i bought a house literally five minutes down the street from my folks and my three best friends from high school like my absolute boys from home we all live together yeah so we're just gonna end the conversation at that yeah but it was it was uh definitely definitely a lot of learning experiences uh but since then, I have I have found my own own place. Me me and Mallory together. Yeah, you're a World Series champ, dude. dude. Oh, yeah. you're a World you're Series fucking, champ. You're fucking got a pen. Something something that no one can ever take away from you. Ever. And that's the crazy part. You'll be introduced as that part. forever. That's awesome. Go ahead, Ty. Dansby in uh, you guys' division. Obviously, you got a couple horses uh, with Degrom, Wheeler, some of those other guys. Who do you think the toughest guy in the MLB is to hit against? And like when you're going against Degrom, like do you have to do you do anything mentally differently? Like when preparing for a guy like that? Uh, well, I, I'll venture to say that our division has the best pitching in baseball. I mean, the Marlins who finished with maybe the, the worst record in our division, I think actually has the best pitching, um, which is crazy. And I think that that's one of the things that gets overlooked a lot about our division. Like, we may have only won 88. I like that stance. They have only won 88 games. <laughs> I don't have but, uh, the But, like, it's hard to go on a winning streak when you're facing the guys that we're facing night in and night out. Uh, but in terms of, you know, facing a guy like DeGrom, I wouldn't necessarily say – Mentally, you do anything different. You just understand that your margin, like the margin for error is so small. You know, like when, when, when you're facing a guy that's of that status, like elite status like that, you have to be so on point. Um, that's but I fucking think the crazy. Thing is, you, you can't, the margin the, the of moment error. you get like intimidated or fearful by those guys, you're done. The they, margin, they, like, they like smell that. You hey, know, look, the margin for error is fucking insane now that I think about it. I mean, I made contact. Round ball, round bat, hit it square. <laughs> That's a great point. Yeah, there. but put yourself in Degrom's shoes or Wheeler's shoes or whoever. Morton, look at the lineup that you got to face with Atlanta, especially when Acuna's healthy. I mean, you guys have an unbelievably ridiculous lineup. Are you guys sharing messages to each other, like uh, <laughs> when you're batting in order? Like, is oh, there yeah. like, hey, this pitcher tonight is doing this, or is there a tell? Are you actually looking for seams? Is that something that's real? So. You go going into the game like we we have meetings that go over pitchers and scouting reports and kind of like an approach to to face certain guys and how it's going to be successful for you and you know all those kinds of things um there are certain tells that they go on like that whether it's i wouldn't necessarily say pitchers tipping as much uh, because everyone's so kind of like paranoid about it these days that everyone has clean like has has is clean when it comes to like their mechanics and things like that that they give away pitches 
Um, but we do talk about like, hey, this guy, I notice he's standing more on maybe the third base side of the uh, rubber. So his pitches are coming in at like a different angle than ah. if he was on the first base side or like, there, you know, there's just different like little things or, hey, that breaking ball, it feels like it's going straight down more than side to side. And so you, you can kind of share different things back and forth. Um, so that's why it, hey, you know, if you just pay attention. To so the that's game. so that's why having a lot of good hitters in on the same team is such a big deal, probably throughout games as well, right? Is that something? Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you think about it, like your best player, which is why baseball is so unique too. Because in football, right? If, if if you're you know Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, like you're getting the ball. You know what I mean? Like you're gonna touch the ball every five minutes. Whereas, and then you can impact each play. Whereas in baseball. You know, you could be Mike Trout, you could be Freddie Freeman. You're only hitting once every time, every three innings or so. So, like, you have your one chance to do something, and if you don't, then your teammates have to pick you up. And if you, you know, if you're Freddie, like, every ball can't get hit to Freddie Freeman. Like, that's just not how it works. But Tom Brady, every time he get, you know, he can make the play calls, he can make the protection calls, he can tell guys where to go, and he can impact every play. Whereas, you could literally go through a game and do absolutely nothing. Like, yeah. no balls hit to you. You don't do anything at the plate very, very productively. And you were, like, almost non-existent. Hey, getting game, over that. Hey, mentally, that's probably something, huh? Is that? I, I assume that is something yeah. in that. that that's, that's, why, that's why the 162 is even harder. Like, physically, it's part of it just because it's an everyday grind, just, like, beat you down. But mentally, I'm telling you, you go 0 for 4 in, like, four straight games. You're you're showering with your jersey on. You know you're trying to do some crazy things to just like to try and change the juju. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Okay, I uh, haven't touched the ball in three days. I think I'm gonna go try and do this. You know, so uh, it's a battle. Hey, congrats! Hey, congratulations on being a World Series. Yeah. Because yeah. think about all the bullshit you've gone through probably for so long, oh, yeah. and I you know you you still got a lot of years ahead of you, and there's people that have played longer than you. But just think about the road to get to the top and all the mental battles and the like. It's unbelievable, man. It's very, very cool. I can't because 162, you know, and how my brain operates. And mm -hmm. the games are like seven hours long. I have no idea how you guys get through those things. I have no clue <laughs> how you do it. I did it one. I played one game. It was for the uh, Washington Wild, Wild, Wild things. things. They were in the Frontier League. So I am kind of a professional baseball player. <laughs> oh, yeah. Only time in my entire life I played baseball. It was, what, the third inning? And mm -hmm. I said, what inning is it? I thought it was like second, eight or nine. Second. second inning. I'm like, holy shit, we are here <laughs> yeah. all well, night. That's, well, it, that's, that's another thing. Like, you learn over time how to, like, be in and out. Like, you learn to, like, check in and check out and check in and check out. Like, it, it, it's – you really do, like, learn, like, and how to just try and play the game as, like, relaxed as possible. Like, it, you know, like, when you're tense, like, you get tired way quicker. Yeah. You know, like, if you're trying super hard, like, you – the intensity of that kind of like takes it out of you. But when you learn to just like relax and be able to play the game instinctually, it, it kind of like comes a little bit more naturally. You know, like I, I don't know if I'm ever going to get there. I, I don't know if I'm ever going to get there. I hope though. I'm going to keep giving it a go. I'll keep watching you. Go ahead, Tone. Dansby, when Solaire puts a ball on the moon, like what was the what was it like in the dugout? Was it like okay, this is ours. This is the game that we're going to close this out. What was the attitude like when that ball was put on Mars? Well. First of all, if you think he hit that ball far, y'all got to watch my man take BP. <laughs> he hits balls like 
When because oh, yeah. he he's was that corked bats? When he I, hits. You guys I'm all use corked. You guys all use corked bats in BP and those uh, no, those bouncy no. balls. No, no he's that, using no, actual no. balls. The, the, the Astros are the cheaters. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, but, but him, him, you and, said it. <laughs> him and BP though. You're saying he's it's a show Dude, out there. It is like I the world needs to see that man, home run derby. But at the same time, I'd be terrified for like those kids who are in the outfield because. <laughs> I'm telling you, like I'm taking ground balls, you know, and I try and get done after after he hits the, his first round because his first round he's kind of just like feeling it out, and then he goes in like full launch mode, and it's like a rocket ship, dude. Like these balls are getting hit. Y'all think I'm telling you, y'all think that one was hit far? Like not even close compared <laughs> to the other. One. What is it? But, is that explosion? Is it contact? What is it? His form? What what well, makes? He's, he's 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 he is the mannequin, like. You know the mannequin they put the jerseys on, like at like a sporting goods <laughs> store. Like he, like he is like a picture perfect, like six four, chiseled, super strong, you know, and unbelievable, like what? you know, hitting mechanics. So you combine all of that, and it's it's a show. That's but cool. after he hit that homer, I think it was almost like we learned our lesson the game before because when Doovy hit that grand slam in the first inning. It's almost like we like lost our cool. Like we like, it's not a one inning game. It's nine innings, and so when he did that in what the the fourth inning, maybe third or fourth, I think it was the third inning. It was kind of like okay, yeah, we can go nuts, but just remember, there's still another, you know, eighteen outs left to play. Like we still have to get twenty one more outs. We still have ten more hours in this game. <laughs> right, right. We still have this marathon, stuff, right? Like. So I think that that was one of the biggest things was just remind everybody like, hey, keep going like this. Like, we cannot stop because we learned last time that if we kind of just let our foot off the gas, this team is really good and they're going to take it to us again. So we got to kind of like everybody chill out. Let's get back to what we're doing that's made us this good and keep doing that. That's awesome. Go ahead, Cole. Hey, Dansby, what happened to him? I mean, he came over. He was hitting like 118 when he came over from the Royals, right? I mean, what happened to him? What changed? So – Mechanically, I think, I think one big thing that he was like, when I say he was getting like stuck back. So when you hit, you you obviously like go forward, and when he was landing, he was his like his shoulders like he was like out of whack. So he, there was only certain types of pitches he could hit. And when uh, I'm telling you, when professional sports like professional pitchers, when they figure out things that you can't hit, they will do it until you can't. Or until you prove that you can hit it. That's like me and on the so ping pong like table. He came him. over and just, just crushed it. What did you I, fix I've him? Seen, I've seen better, but hey, we can work on it. Well, hold on, <laughs> Dansby. I was trying to enact what you were talking about. That was Mister Cooter there. It was not me. All right, let's have a little bit of respect, Jesus. My, I don't even know if I'm a righty or a lefty, to be honest. What I, did you when you played minor league ball? What'd you hit that time? Righty. And you had a hit, right? Well. Yeah. Probably should have been batting lefty. Probably yeah. should have been batting lefty. Yeah. That's what I'm 333 saying. 333 on yeah, base. Yeah, 333 on base percentage. No big deal. Got to second base. Against a guy that was drafted by the fucking Yankees. How about that? I mean, how about it? No big deal. But I think I'm a sorry left. Sorry about it. Okay, sorry about it, dude. Hey, 92 ain't good enough here, pal. Fucking <laughs> Gonna square. I don't know how to get any. Yeah, I like that. I see. I like that. That actually, that actually looked good right there. The leg kick. Thank oh, you. please, I've been trying Dansby, to... please do not we'll feed do him. Listen, do I'll... not feed the ego. Listen, Dansby, I'll have that son of a bitch sitting up here. If those bitches want to wait, I'll fucking wait, too. You know what I mean? You got the good uke, too. Yeah. What's oh, yeah. that? Uke. Do you do any of that shit? I should have done more research. Have you changed your stance or your swing at all, and do you change it ever? Uh, Sometimes. I mean, 
what I've I found out that like the simpler the better. The simpler you are, the more repeatable you can be. It's yeah, um, punning. And the I would say my one big thing that really helps me is I hit left-handed a lot. Like before games, I, I like to hit. I, I'm a right-handed hitter, but I like to hit left-handed. Like it just. It's almost like if I would like go play basketball, like it's so like basketball is like my freeing sport, like just go play around, you know, shoot around or whatever. When I hit left handed, it like it takes thinking out of it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I, I don't know what the equivalent would be for you. Like no, if you were like in a slump punting, like what would something be to, where you just be like, all right, screw it. I'm just going to kick this ball as far as I can. Like, I don't know. So what I would probably do, to be honest, I mean, it's a little bit different than probably your mechanics, but. I'd probably take a uh, probably entire ounce uh, of vitamins to the backyard and just work my way through it. You know, I would uh, take off to the moon and then I would work my way through it. I was much more of uh, I need to adjust something in my mind to get me into it, right? So mm-hmm. I need to adjust the way I'm looking at it because everything you just said there about repeatable and only going out, I only go on the field like every 45 minutes or so. And, I, and if I have a miss... I got to sit on the side and just fucking take it, right? So it's pretty similar to batting. And everybody I, knows it when you miss. Oh, everybody, oh, the whole yeah. place. And when you shank a punt, the whole place knows. I mean, it is. And then you got your teammates like, oh, got to put the fire out because this yeah. fucking guy. <laughs> so it's it's one of those things you just kind of stand on the sideline. So for me, I would just have to adjust my things that I'm thinking before I'm going, you know? So that's mm-hmm. the only thing I yeah. really did. I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't punt lefty. I wish I was that athletic and strong. I mean, I could, but it wouldn't fucking go anywhere, you know? Did you ever yeah. hit lefty in games or no? You ever think about that? No, uh, when I was younger, I would switch it some. Like, I I, I would, I would obviously, I would hit left-handed and stuff some. Uh, but I, I just kind of knew that, like, right-handed would be, that I would be much more, like, consistent and better. So I was just stick to being right-handed. But it's the same kind of thing. Like, it changes the thought process. It changes, like, your eyesight. Like, just doing it from the other side, you know? And yeah. next thing you know, like, and I'm in the cage hitting left-handed. If I roll one over or if I pop one up, I literally could care less because it, I'm hitting left-handed, you know? So it, there's something, like, so, like, freeing about it where I just go hit left-handed. Whatever happens, what happens. Take some right-handed to just make sure I'm locked in for the game and go play, you know? Like, it, it's like it's like playing wiffle ball in the backyard. Like, that's kind of, like, what it does, like, all right, I'm going to simulate, like, I'm hitting, like, you know, uh, you know, I'm going to be Barry Bonds today and wiffle ball. And I'm just you do Ken Griffey's swing every single time after, when you're not, do you do Ken Griffey's single hand? Oh, yeah. Do you do that? Oh, oh, when you're younger, baby, you simulate everybody. How about now? In that practice when you're lefty in there, are you just like, oh, uh, hey. I'm no, I, I just, I keep going. If, if I'm not hitting good right hand, I'm like, man, I might go play winter ball and just hit left hand. <laughs> I'm going to be a switch hitting shortstop. Like, Who's your favorite player or, or, going up? My, my favorite thing I'll say, I'll say, I'll be like, man, I wish my right-handed swing was as good as my left-handed swing. <laughs> because no, no one's ever, no one's ever like mechanically changed my left-handed swing. You know, like, it's just natural. You just go and hit. But right hand, it's like, oh, I need to do this. Okay, I'll do this, this. Okay. And then yeah. next thing you know, you've like mentally screwed yourself. Takes all the thinking out of it. Who was your favorite player growing up? Nomar. Yeah. Hell oh, yeah. Mr. Garcia oh, Poor. Yeah, he was, I was a big Nomar guy. Right here. Hell of a player. He's right here. He's literally right oh, behind Connor. I love it. <laughs> Where yeah. are you? What's, what's, uh, what's crazy, too, is so he's married to Mia Ham. Yeah. Well, um, and so Nomar was my favorite growing up. And Mal... Uh, Mia was her favorite player growing up. That's incredible. Oh, yeah, and, that, and talk about talk about just like small world. 
very small world. And that's what yeah, so- anytime you athletes get together, you know. The next generation of just Christian McCaffrey's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big right. time. Can't wait to see what you, the Watts, everybody on that Chicago Stars team, yeah. basically, <laughs> man, it's going to be fantastic. You we, know, a little bit of meaningless trivia, here we too, go. about Dansby, yep. is uh, he was uh, born, I believe, in uh, Kennesaw, Georgia, correct? Yes, sir. Which was the birthplace in, of, I believe, Kennesaw Mountain, um, Landis, who was a commissioner of baseball during the Black Sox scandal back wow. in 1919. Am I oh, correct yeah. on that, Dan? I, I, literally, I literally grew up five minutes from Council Mountain. And there you go. So uh, just yeah. a little bit of trivia. Well, thank you Love for dotting baseball in a much better fashion than the previous Kennesaw. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate you. Ladies and gentlemen, World Series champ, Dansby Swanson. On this particular Thursday, we're a little bit excited because tonight's risk-free same-game parlay is going to hit. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Tonight's the night where the Indianapolis Colts, Carson Wentz, Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman Jr. dominate the Mike White-led Jets into absolute oblivion. Hell, yeah. Hopefully, at least they win by six is what we need to happen. We need Carson Wentz to throw for over 225. We need Michael Pittman Jr. to catch for over 70, which he has done routinely when T.Y. Hilton hasn't been in this season. That's amazing. And then also, you know, Jonathan Taylor just needs two touchdowns. That's it. Just two. He's the AFC Offensive Player of the Month. He's on a team that doesn't have a winning record and was the Offensive Player of the Month in one of the earlier months in the NFL. I mean, that is something that should be talked about a little bit more, and we would if it wasn't risk-free. Same game, parlay, Thursday Night Football, Thursday. We talk about the awards and the Players of the Month and all that shit, but Jonathan Taylor's a stud, a superstar. Can't wait to watch him live tonight in person, and when he gets in for that second time, I believe we're all going to be juju and on beat down. It's going to be a great time. What's up, Dick? I did a little research. Um, quarterbacks have gone over 225 six of the seven games against the Jets, and they have given up over 100 yards rushing in six of the seven games as well. They so, stink. They, oh, that, the Jets. They yeah, they're dogs. Come stink. on. They Worst team stink. in the league. Yeah, you guys stink, and all this is going to hit. I hope it does for you. The only issue is what happens if we're up 70 and they rest Jonathan Taylor so he doesn't get hurt? Or what if they only give Jonathan Taylor like eight touches tonight? I mean, he still might score two touchdowns, but it's possible he... Man, what if you're down 30? Who? (laughs) Just... Just thinking. That would never happen. Who? <laughs> who would be down 30? <laughs> Just thinking out loud. Who? That's all. Sorry. You talking about the Colts? Yeah. Oh. Colts ain't going to be down 30. No, not nah. Lucas Oil Stadium Thursday no, Night Football. No, no, no. no. Not that here's, here's a fun fact, by the way, and I don't know the actual stats or numbers, but Thursday Night Football games never in Indianapolis. Really? I mean, they might have. There might be sporadically, but we're always on the road on Thursday Night hmm. Football uh, games because Convention City. So normally there wasn't an ability to get any hotels because they were all rented out years in advance, legitimately years in advance because of how many conventions would come through. Then COVID kind of happened, and maybe that's a part of it, or maybe Jim Mercer just said, hey, I would like to have a primetime game at this stadium that is beautiful a little bit more often than it has been in the past. And so that what I'm saying is Indianapolis doesn't get a lot of opportunity to show up on a Thursday Mm -hmm. night. Colt Sanders is going to be loud in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. One of them. The Jets are just lucky they're on national television. Well, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> this is the handout primetime game the, the, the league has to give. Yeah. 
One every year. But what if fucking Mike White does it? What if Mike White is a football player? What if Mike White has been biding his time, and although he was cut four times by the Jets, what does that tell us? Oh, the Jets have made all the right decisions in the past? Mm-hmm. What, if, what if he was Not cut four times by the Jets, and it was all a mistake? And because of that, nobody else really got any film of him or saw him at all. What if he was a diamond in the rough that has been cleared out and found all of a sudden for the New York Jets? He was the Nickelodeon MVP this yeah. week. Can't sneak up now, though. No, we know. Yeah, exactly. Mike White is. Right. Yeah. We'll be ready for him. We'll see, too. I mean, I'd love lightning Mike White to come out here and and light it up, but there's a good chance someone's going to fucking take his head off tonight. His his coach at Western Kentucky said he saw this day coming. Oh, yeah. Well, that's we actually talked about that on Monday, about how it's not just about Mike White's life here. Think about his friends, his family, his old coaches that have been in conversations around water coolers and bar tops about talking about their guy Mike White hey he's a fucking guy he just never got the opportunity then all of a sudden he throws for 405 they're all walking into work on Monday morning hey how you doing what I'm, I say I fuck, I've been telling you yeah. guys you drafted them fancy I told you to do it boom celebration maybe shots beers being chucked celebrations what? being had by Mike White fans and friends and family and I understand that maybe his coach said that but that Bengals defense might have been half asleep that entire game. Yeah, what yeah. the fuck happened to them? This Colts defense ain't going to do that on Thursday night at home. Not at no, prime no. time, no way. No plus. way. Darius Leonard, ah, the maniac, look, yeah. look for the legs to be flying. Mm-hmm. Bengals have just won their Super Bowl, okay? Colts just lost. They're not going to sleepwalk through the Jets. They're ready. Carson Wentz will <laughs> leave no play nope. behind tonight. Nope. That's Which right. might hurt us. We did think about having Carson Wentz over rushing because it's pretty much guaranteed because he will somehow fall and stumble. <laughs> but I thought putting that on there would potentially be promoting Carson Wentz to scramble. And sure, I don't want to promote And that. I don't want that. I just want Carson Wentz to use his incredible arm, his incredible vision, and I want him just to go ahead and pick apart defenses, which he can do, by the way. Oh, yeah? He can absolutely do it. He's proven to do it. He's throwing up a lot of yards in games. But then once he starts trying to die on every play, that's a little bit scary. He probably will get the over-rushing, but I took it off strictly because I didn't want to be like, you know, potentially making money off of something I don't necessarily promote. Yes. Sure. You know what I mean? Makes hey, sense. That's, that's kind of how I feel. I think if, I mean, if Carson has only like seven to 10 turnover worthy plays tonight as opposed to like his typical 15 to 25, I think the Colts will be fine and they win. Hey, is there a step for most dropped interceptions? <laughs> Because Carson Wentz, he does make it difficult for them to catch. Yeah, Yeah. he's up there. He makes it tough for them to catch, but he's past that now, especially after what happened last week. No, Yeah, Carson Wentz, a whole new player. He's going to show it Thursday night football (laughs) when we have a risk-free same-game parlay on there. Uh, Michael Cole is in studio. I don't know if I've introduced him in hour two yet here. I apologize. That's bad hosting. And you asked some incredible questions to Dansby Swanson. Thank you. Baseball guy. I, and we had a fucking baseball player on the show. Not because you were here, though. It just so happened, like, we got very lucky that we had you, you on here. Because Ty is our baseball guy. I Ty takes it baseball. on the shins a lot. You should do uh-huh. more of it, I believe. Nah. No, because no, you're not here. We, literally, and it's I'm, tough, I'm not, Cole. People don't give a shit. Baseball, baseball blows, Cole. Yeah. You, baseball got, you guys have a stadium, like, five blocks down here. Beautiful, Beautiful stadium. Beautiful, yeah. yeah. Gorgeous. Good so. team. That's AAA affiliate for the Pittsburgh Pirates. There's yeah. been World Series champions that have played there. Mm-hmm. Hall of Famers probably got played yeah. there. And then the Pittsburgh Pirates, as soon as they notice that they're good, they trade them out of town so they don't have to fucking pay them. That's what the Pirates are. We need to maybe turn this into... No, no, no. Well... <laughs> Pittsburgh shouldn't lose the Pirates. No. But no, 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 no. No, Pittsburgh should just go under new ownership. Correct. Okay. Bingo. Why don't you buy the fucking Pirates? <laughs> yeah. 
You know, you're the only yeah, person it, I know that knows anything about it. Then I'd this. move him to Austin, Texas. Whoa. Whoa. Don't well, that'd be a stupid move. Hey, listen. You hear me? You say a lot of stupid <laughs> shit. Hey, right. but by the way, get back to football for a moment. You're Austin all. No, no, let's shit, take it back. Dude. You don't yeah. move the parts. All right, Come on. So, you got enough shitty teams in Texas. Yeah, oh. Yeah, cheating oh. teams. Oh, the Texans, terrible. Bro, by the way, Joe okay. Rogan and Elon Musk, both in Austin. Rockets stink. Rangers. There's probably going to be some sort of something horrible. Oh, yeah. There's multiple. Billionaires moving to Austin. Something is going to end up in Austin in the professional realm. Austin, it's not going to be the Pittsburgh Pirates, though. Oh, we'll see. Pat, I figured it out. You take the two bets that TVG Mike gave us, and we put some money on the ponies. Gamine, we Max bet on, player. We bet on Gizlane and Max Player. We parlay <laughs> those, no, and no. we do like old man Rooney did when he bought the Steelers. He used the horse yeah. horse racing money to win by the Steelers. Oh, that's good. The and the Steelers have had a lot of success. So this is a trend and a blueprint that tells us. That there will be more success in the professional sports. It, get me. Gizline. No. It's not. Which? That's not her name. Which Gizline. Is it? That's not the horse's name. Or her name. Gizline. Yeah. Gizline. It's Gamine. 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 Thank you. Okay. Gizline. Her name's Gizline. <laughs> Joining us now, a man who loves Gamine. Yep. And loves Max Player. Oh, yeah. And uh, joining us from his attic in Ohio. We hope everything's all right. We weren't able to connect with him oh, there for no. a little bit. I don't know if there's an internet damage or whatever, what's, what's going on. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Super Bowl champion, college football national champion, AJ Hawk. Michael Cole's clap. Hey, Michael Cole's wow. even clapping. Oh, my God. It's, it, AJ, it's a golf clap. Yeah, oh, hey, that's, that's all I need, Mike. It's good to have you in studio. Good to see an adult in studio. Mike. How are you? Oh, yes, exactly. Shut up, dude. Shut up. You suck. Is everything all right, all right dude? You guys, get it out. Get it out. Well, you did come in swinging at us. I mean, what's that all about? You feeling feisty on this? AJ, my Twitter feed is talking about how the show has become much more mature today. You have flip-flops on, dude. Yeah, with no okay. socks, dude. Okay. Yeah. Those toes. It's 25 degrees outside. No, it's not thongs. It's uh, They're slides. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Good ones, too, actually. Yeah, Nikes. They're very nice. I mean, the, the jumpsuit is also yeah, fantastic. Yeah, top tier. Still a suit. I mean, you look like... That's why that I is it. still That's a suit. Something to think about. Yeah. This coming from the guy who wears the same black tank top every day, including tomorrow when he comes to SmackDown, he'll be in the same black tank top. But underneath his know, blazer, Stephen A. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, Stephen A. is not exactly thrilled about my tank top usage. <laughs> he also said on SmackDown, I I, uh, I get all dressed up, and I did this last week. I had like a actual little dress shirt on or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's not norm- normally it is just the same exact tank top. You see me here, and I'll throw a jacket on top of it because I do respect. The, the shield. shield. The shield. Mm-hmm. I respect the shield of the WWE. That's no, right. I do respect the position. And then every time you're wearing a three-piece suit, this yeah. guy, I can't be looking completely just straight tank toppy. So Stephen A. doesn't know that, but I do appreciate the fact that you've allowed me to dress like that on your guys' air. It's not me. I don't know the company. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> There's you're one right. guy. Yeah. There's one guy. That. Yeah, I have learned that, and I appreciate that. AJ, uh, we can't thank you enough for joining us. Is everything okay? Do you have the internet? Is everything all right? No, I'm good. I got text from you and Zito both. I don't, the first FaceTime you guys called didn't pop up on my screen. Uh, so you actually thought we, something was wrong with us. Yeah, you get. You said, you all right? I'm like, uh, did something happen that I don't know about? Like, what's going on? Oh, uh, that's like Dansby Swanson said, mm-hmm. like, is it true he got a text uh, from one of his friends whenever he was at a meeting and he didn't know what it was? He said, is it true is one of the most difficult texts to get because you're like, ah, who knows what this could be about? And that was actually him getting traded. Did you get a chance to listen to any of that? I fucking love that, dude. I, I, I'm a big fan of his after that conversation he had with us. 
I, I wasn't able to actually listen to him on here, but I did hear a little bit of uh, TBG Mike. Is that his name? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That dude, hey, I, I respect people that are passionate about what they do, and you can tell that dude loves horse racing. Uh, Bob Baffert's uh, got a lot of questionable things in his barn or whatever, the way he <laughs> yeah. describes yeah. the barn, and then he said putting saddles on horses. You know what I mean? He's I the mean, greatest. I, I think I wrote it down. He's the greatest trainer ever to throw a saddle over a horse. Yes, saddle like, over like a horse. That's like an awesome horse cliche that we should work into football yeah. somehow well and did you hear me i literally said it back to him because i had the same exact thought as you as soon as you said it, i was like yep we're fucking going to use that one somehow <laughs> that was and then he describes the guy's entire business as the barn makes so much sense obviously mm-hmm. that's a guy that has grown up in it lived it slept it everything and you could tell he loves it as well i actually asked bruce you know, Bruce owns some of that horse. We That's, hey, for shoot, brother. That is real. He owns some of that horse. I just asked him, I was like, hey, do you want like a horse podcast with like TVG Mike? Like, that'd be pretty sweet. And Bruce was like, yeah, I, I would actually, I do love horses. You know, he kind of said, this entire thing. And I was like, all right, cool. That seems like a natural. Yeah. Well, it sounds like how you're representing Bruce, like he and Mitch should probably pair up. For they, they do. Oh, they were yeah. at the fucking game last night. The Pacers, Knicks, they almost got kicked out. He got a yellow card from the NBA. Bruce got a yellow card Wait, from the, the NBA. I don't know, legit. It's a warning yeah. on a cagey match. He got a warning from, yeah, it was a cagey affair. The, uh, he got a warning from the NBA. It's actually like this cardboard square that basically says, you fuck up one more time, we're allowed to kick you out. Like, this is an actual warning that you're getting. He was yelling at the Stupid. refs. He was talking shit to TJ McConnell. Uh-huh. I guess he was in his quiet in there. He's a big Knicks fan, and the Knicks are back for the first time in 55 years. Well, I was really excited last week when they were 5-1, and one, but they've lost two in a row, so it's right. back, back down to earth. This oh. dude actually got a yellow card. Wow. So did this, did they, they actually hand that out? After the yeah. Mouse, the yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hold on. So it says NBA warning card, <laughs> and then it's signed by TJ McConnell. TJ McConnell, Pittsburgh guy, plays for the Pacers. I guess he had a strikingly close resemblance to one of the officials that was in the game. So Bruce Brown, Knicks fan, full Knicks gear, Patrick Ewing shoes even that Which, are oh, yeah. svelte oh, blue. Yeah. They are these blocks and breaks. He got he starts yelling at uh, TJ McConnell and the ref. There's some words exchanged. And then allegedly TJ and Bruce, for the next like four or five series, there was potentially a little give and take. Pittsburgh guy, TJ McConnell, by the way, if there's a little shit talk, he's probably not scared of it. Mm-mm. So TJ McConnell comes up afterwards, signs the yellow card that Bruce got for yelling about TJ McConnell. And then they hit each other up, and it's like, hey, good seeing you, man. Have a good one. That's awesome. I had no idea they had yellow cards in fucking NBA arenas. They do. Stupid. So whenever you're thinking about swinging on somebody, I don't know if they'll give you the warning, but there's probably a red card that's coming out there, too. Mm-hmm. We got to remember that. Doesn't care. Kick people, kick fans out of the uh, stadium every Yeah, I week give for them those stupid shit. cards. That's what I do. No. <laughs> smart. Out of there. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Send the security guard over and yank his ass out and bring him up. It's just it's dumb. You're giving him a card. So now this guy's going to run around and he's going to show his card off. Hey, I... Hey, we, I, just, we I, literally I, just we told yeah, an entire, yeah. We literally just told an entire story about the NBA right. having a yellow card. Right. I had no idea this is something. Well, it's just... I mean, it's like now he waves the card around. Hey, I was an asshole at the game last night. Look at me. <laughs> he was an asshole. No, but I'm just saying. It's By the stupidest way, he, thing I ever it's heard. A bad he was an asshole yeah. at the game. Uh-huh. I will say, everybody that was around him that we... Uh, we, you know, and even some of the judgment of the people that were talking to us is even sometimes questionable. But the, they were all like, oh, "You should have seen the show last night." Like that was the message we were getting. And I guess, you know, there, 
it wasn't loud all the time. And I don't know if that's how NBA games are now, especially or whatever the case is and however the team is. Uh, so there was times where Bruce Brown was basically the MC of the fucking hole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There was where his voice was just echoing. All Everybody could hear him from all the way down in the top. So I, I guess- never tried to watch. Last night, Pat, I think I was ESPN. The Nets were playing and I watched uh, a decent amount of it and. It's just crazy. Like, are you, if Bruce Brown was out there yelling, I would have heard him on TV. They're, oh, they're yeah. playing music during the possessions, but like in between plays, basketball, like the pace of it is so weird and not slow, but just one on one matchups. You could hear everything, I think. I used to go to a lot of the Pacers games. Um, George Hill, Paul George, Roy Hibbert. Um, Reggie Miller. Stevenson. No, Reggie, Reggie Miller was Miller. before me. Right. Reggie Miller was before me. Oh, but, I, yeah, he killed me. Obviously. He killed my Knicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every oh, year. Yeah. This whole thing. Oh, big time. Yeah, Spike Lee's still there, though. And he's still <laughs> yeah, doing he's it. Still there. Spike Lee's still Somehow. doing it. Hey, Rick Reggie's Smith. Still, there's a name for your Pacers past. Hey, he still comes around. Rick Smith. He's big Legend. tall. Big. Oh, he yeah. still comes around. You'll he, see him. It's like, oh, he's a seven-foot white guy. Played college in my hometown. Really? Marist College in Poughkeepsie. I did not know. Hey, shut up. Hey, how about it? Strong Island. So do you know just every little tiny story from every tiny town around towns? Yeah, I'm just (laughs) – my wife gets so mad at me because I just have this this trivia that you have no use for. Is this because you've been on the road for like 25, 30 years? Yeah, that and just being brought up as a sports fan and just – I don't know. You know, I think that has to go back to being a baseball fan because baseball, as you know, is all statistics and Mm -hmm. it's all these weird little stats. And I think that – I don't know. I just enjoy that stuff. And plus being a sports – entertainment announcer for 25 years and having to know a lot of that stuff just is there well yeah because for instance every time we go to a city i'm trying to give a shout out to a local city and then there's a couple cities we went to where nobody cared about any of the teams so I was, oh yeah hey do we all like the chiefs here no no Mm-mm. no hate them Mm-mm. we are in wichita well, who the fuck what are we <laughs> shockers? Shockers. What are you, you guys like the shockers here no no rock shocker i'm like uh, all right huh what do we like you? Uh, it's a mixed bag. I'm like, all right, well, I'm not doing a McAfee minute. <laughs> we like <laughs> no nothing. No way. I'm not talking about any. I'm not. There's no reason for me to get up here. Now, I can't even say anything that Michael Cole potentially hates in there. But the, the, the whole state of the world right now, AJ, and we have to get to this, you know, mm-hmm. is about your friends. Yeah, it is. I, I didn't want to. You know, I didn't know how we were going to go in. I don't know what we're going to do, because if anybody knows anything, it's this guy yeah. right here. Right here. In the entire world, everybody knows. Mm-hmm. As soon as there was other situations like this, where who would have known on the entire planet about what was going on potentially behind closed doors on one particular side that was potentially in a public dispute with another side? The other side was talking. This particular side that he Much knows. different than this situation. Oh, come, come on, on, dude. Uh, you would say that. Uh, yeah, you would. But anyways. Yeah, you're right. I would. You never know anything, okay? But you break news, anything you say about any situation that is involving Mr. Aaron Rodgers. So I understand some of the positions you're potentially in because of your friendship. I mean, the derby picture, when that came out, I think it was an entire like, oh, so this guy does know. This this guy does Uh know. And in this situation, I assume after seeing my Twitter mentions, you're probably getting lumped in in a lot of these conversations as well. In your state right now, what are your thoughts on how this all plays out? Like, honestly, it is crazy. He, that was trending for 13 hours at number one and number two on Twitter. Nothing. Nothing does no. that. I mean, it led off the, um, the national morning shows, uh, like the... Um, Good Morning America. Yeah, all that yeah, today's show. Yeah, and, show. And, yeah. Old Nate Burleson's over there probably talking about the NFL literally all morning because of this entire situation. What are your thoughts on it now that we're a little bit more into it? Yesterday, we were only an hour removed from the information being released. Just how do you feel about it right now, and how do you think it goes? 
I mean, I guess I I never thought of like that any we would be in this situation. I guess I don't know if anyone could have guessed. I wonder if Aaron knew that it could become this big of a deal. That's what I'm wondering right now. He knows like whatever happens, he has news. It's a big deal, whatever he says or does. But this thing has definitely taken off, and until he gets back in the facility, it's going to be a huge deal. I feel like until he he talks about it, but. I don't know what exactly he's going to say or what he can say or what he's trying to do now. I know he's still in Zoom meetings with the team. Hey, and there has to be there has to be some sort of, right? There has to be some sort of reasonable answer. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, obviously he has a reason for whatever he's done. Has to be. They, they, yeah. and by the way, it's not just him, right? There's other people that yeah. are. I mean, there's there has to be. So that's why when everybody is, and by the way, there's a lot of very reasonable questions being asked by a lot of people, but I think in the same reasonable vein, you have to think to yourself, how did we get here? What it, so, so many things had to happen to get to this point. How, why, what? Uh, and that's what I'm excited to hear about and learn about. And maybe, hopefully, we'll be able to do that at some point as opposed to maybe this just another wave coming and never hearing about it again, you know? Yeah, I, I don't know what's going to slow this down. You know, like the old urban thing, there's always something that can come take its place. I don't know what could take it, this place for the next seven to eight days. Hey, it's been a lot of drama, hasn't it? Hey, yeah, this yeah. year. There's been a lot. Oh, well, I guess because we're in a world that's filled with things that could potentially bring dramatic moments because there's so much that has happened and is currently happening and potentially happening and information that people are seeing and not seeing and picking and choosing what to know and what not to know. I mean, it is... In absolutely insane time in the world. So I'd assume that would carry into the biggest league in the world in the NFL. But it feels like there's just been a lot of drama. Like, for instance, I mean, this whole Odell Beckham Jr. shit. This is just drama right now. This is crazy. It's something that never happens is happening where some people are saying, well, what they're doing is against the CBA. So that should be a penalty. They should get suspended. And then other, and I think there's actually maybe a reasonable fight on that particular stance. And then another one is, well, the Browns are in an interest, interesting predicament here. Interesting. They cut OBJ, one of the most electrifying wide receivers, one of the most popular players in the NFL. They cut him. He doesn't get picked up by anybody through the waiver wire. They still owe him money, and he can go play somewhere else. So he'll get money from the Browns, and he'll get money from another team. The money from the Browns is $8.05 million for the rest of the year. Then if they cut him and he gets picked up in the waiver wire and goes somewhere else, they don't want to account for anything. The new team picks that up. So maybe that's what the Browns are hoping for. But now they're just excusing him from practice. Allegedly, he's been wanting to practice, but they're excusing him from practice. The word usage is a big deal because I guess they can't force him to not be at practice without a suspension, which, I mean, there is just so much at play here. And it all revolves around... There's probably been other pieces to the puzzle, but the OBS post seems to have potentially really bubbled everything over to a point that Baker Mayfield said any conversation would be cool. Not not just an apology, but any mm-hmm. conversation would be cool. And then he was asked if he was hurt, and he says, nah. Surprised? Yes. This is via Ari Mirov of Pro Football Focus at My Sports Update. AJ, it's, it's, it's drama. Like, it feels like this what is— What are they trying to do? Like, y- yeah. you, you laid it out. What— I know Stefanski what, yesterday or whatever said the GM is talking to Odell's representatives. So what does that mean, though? Can you say, all right, well, let's, you got to restructure, take a pay cut, 
we owe you three mil for the rest of this year, and then we cut you? Is that how it works? So, but then if... So another team hopefully claims him? I don't get it. Yeah, but if they cut him at three mil, then somebody's definitely going to claim him, right? Yeah. So that, I guess that's good news, but then... He Odo, probably doesn't want to be claimed, though. He wants to be a free agent. Claim, you have to go through the waiver wire. The waiver wire is determined by, like, draft order. So that's shitty teams are at the, the top. The worst team that claims you gets you. Yeah, and they all put in claims, and then it's the order of preference depending upon how good of a football team you are. If you're a bad team, you're high. So Odell Beckham Jr. would be asking, take, agreeing to a deal of less money than probably going to a worse team somehow. Yeah. So the Odell's not going to agree to do that. You know, like that, that. So what they, I think what the Browns came out and said is, we'd rather pay him and him just not be a part of the team than any of the rolling of the dice that he's potentially going to clear You can't really waivers. do that, though. That's like suspend him with pay. You can't do that. Can you just, ex- okay, Odell is excused for the rest of the regular season. Is that what they can do? I have no idea. But then what happens if he's like, no, nah, I'm going to come. Yeah. I understand I'm excused, yeah. but I'm actually going to come. I, you guys got a good facility here, and I need to at least stay a little bit Ben sharp. Simmons. What's that? Ben Simmons. No, but the MB, uh, MBPA and the NBA, don't they have a different CBA? Is he allowed to be... Well, the, the fact is, is he's now claiming that he needs help with his mental health, so the Sixers now have to continue to pay him while he gets that help. Okay, so he is saying, I can't be there because exactly. of this. Now he's saying that. This situation sounds like the Browns, though, are saying, we don't want you here because right. of what's going on. So it's, uh, and this yeah. is Deshaun Watson. I guess he's a non-football participant yes injury or uh, there he's on yeah. some non and it's obviously different but what about like what's going on with calvin ridley and the falcons like he's still te- you know and lane johnson what yeah. lane johnson, lane just johnson had, right lane johnson just had a couple weeks that's, there that's coming from the players though not the team that this is the browns it's what's unique the team is saying all right see you later go hang out at home yeah and that's allegedly what they're not allowed to do because then you'll be suspending with pay which is not a part of the cba and i think that's because of the holdout situation conversation that happened at the very beginning of this thing because teams were sick of players not showing up to training camp for leverage. Well, something has to be done in all of this stuff. I mean, this, is, this, this has become ridiculous. And how, as, the, as the team, despite what the, the, the Players Association says and what the contract says, as a team, at some point, you've got to hold these people accountable. To the contracts, you're saying. You have to. These guys are making millions and millions of dollars a year, and every time they get a hangnail or they... Oh, the, oh, the guy, oh, the guy, oh come on, dude. Oh, oh, I love it. Oh, or, the, or, the guy's, or the guy's not throwing the football at me. And, oh, uh, and then he goes, he takes his ball and goes home. And at yes. some point, you got to have accountability to your team. Listen, if I work for Vince McMahon and, I, and, and Vince says yells at me one night and says, you're doing this wrong, you need to do it this way, I'm not just going to tell him, I'm going home. <laughs> He's going to fire my ass, right? So it's the same thing with these guys. You're paying these guys tens of millions of dollars, and now the guy's he's upset because the ball's not getting thrown to him or the quarterback's not targeting him. And come on already. At yeah. some point, be accountable to yourself or else just go home and sit down and, and, and don't make any money. Well, the issue is, the interesting thing is, you're viewing it as uh, 100%, 100% work, right? Hey, you yeah. are being contracted to do this particular job. Exactly. And I do believe mental health is a real deal. I think Lane Johnson, that interview he did with Jay Glazer is real. Like, if a player in a team can come to an understanding where everybody knows what has potentially happened in the past, so the player might need a week or two yes. here. Either, like that, you're not saying that to No, no, no. I'm not but you're saying, saying like if you're that. not getting the ball. Exactly. From, and you just want to go ahead and make it like uh, See, I want to quit, which is what it looks like in the Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. situation. Yeah. Season, that is what it looks seasons like. are long. People are going to get hurt. People are going to have to deal with their mental health. People are going to need breaks. I get all that, and, and, and they deserve it. it. It happens in every walk of life. It happens in every profession. We've all had to deal with it, both as managers and also as people. But the fact of the matter is, if this comes down to a guy getting upset because he's not going to get a ball thrown to him, I mean, enough already. It's ridiculous. Hey. Grow, grow up. 
you know, pull up your jock strap, grow up and, and play football, or just go sit on your couch. Yeah, buy in. I mean, basically, exactly. like, hey, if, if your team's winning, which, by the way, I don't know how they're doing, but Baker Mayfield's going through the torn labrum and the broken humerus. You can see how a lot of people can have the exact view that Cole has in this entire thing. What are you going to say to well, him? What if Vince was yelling at you and you had to live in Cleveland? Well, I had to live in New Jersey for 10 years nah. uh, working under him, so yeah, that, that was point. tough. Now that I moved to Texas, it's better. No, what are you going to say? <laughs> but also, like, it's not as if he's doing that because they're telling him he, to go home. Like, yeah, he's he getting ready go, for practice. But his dad is speaking for him, so everybody well, automatically assumes, like, yeah. Turn your flashlight off, Cole. I mean, oh, good God. It's all sports that Odell has right. been great. I'm just upset about it. But the fact of the matter is, why is a grown man's dad in the middle of this? Well, it's because exactly. it's social media nowadays, right? Well, well, don't, don't you think the Browns would have liked Odell to distance himself from his dad's video and be like, hey, my dad means the well. I love him. I didn't tell him to put, them out, exactly. put that out there. I don't agree with So that. Tom Brady came out and had an entire yeah. statement on Let's Go about what his dad said to a Boston radio station. I believe it was NBC Sports. NBC Sports, where his dad came out and talked about the exit. This was as the Wickersham book was kind of getting a little mm-hmm. bit of uh, traction on some of the stories about, oh, Tom and Bill don't like each other. Robert Kraft called Bill Belichick the biggest fucking asshole of his entire life. And Tom had to come out and address that for that. And whenever Baker said, I just any conversation would be cool. So is that mean Odell Beckham Sr. is putting out these videos and then commenting and liking and OBJ is ghosting Baker so then it's obvious and is that how is that why the team is like all right dude like what are we doing obviously more to it like this has obviously been building and building over the year because maybe the team is sick of the distraction as well and they're trying to figure out how to go about them home then absolutely yeah yeah well and they know that no one's going to claim him with that contract million dollars there's no chance yeah the trade deadline just happened like we need need a contract person to come on like is there a contract like what can they be working Hey, Baker, the money. Baker just needs to pick we him up. Get like, does this happen? Have you, has this happened before where someone takes a pay cut to get cut? Yeah, but then if he takes a pay cut, he's going to end up on a team that's much worse than probably where no he reason. wants to go. It, like, I guess if he really wanted to be a free agent, yeah, no, he's not going to take a pay cut because he, he wants to be a free agent. He doesn't want to be claimed from a bad team. Yeah, Mike Greenberg maybe from Tampa because Fournette last year, wasn't he? He was the one that got cut, didn't get claimed. <laughs> then he double-dipped with the Jags and Tampa once he signed there. Yeah, so maybe he knows that. But the roll of the dice here is Odell Beckham Jr., although the Cleveland Browns are potentially done with the relationship, it seems like. I don't know. But maybe they'll be able to work on it, too. Who knows? You know, these things, you never know how they work out, especially all it takes sometimes, especially amongst very prideful people, is one genuine statement from either but, side. But I think, Pat, and you, you, you've been through it in AJ as well, a lot more than I have, but I think when it becomes public like it's public now, I think you've gone past the point of no return. I think at this point that it's come out publicly like it is, I don't think you can go back now. And I think the relationship is probably over and they're going to have to figure out a way to get out of this situation and move on. Because once it becomes public, you've gone past that point of having these, these secret talks and trying to put all this away. Yeah. Yeah, and it's going to be difficult for sure. And at this point, it seems like all reports were that Odell Beckham Jr., was planning on playing this Sunday. Yeah. He was probably just going to go into his own world and just say, hey, I'm here. I'm just here so I won't get fined, but also I'll play. Like, I'll play. Then the Cleveland Browns are like, well, that is not good for our culture. That is not good for our locker room. That is not good for the middle of where we are right now. So you are excused from being here. And then I, I assume, and by the way, Andrew Barry, I know he's a young GM. 
He's hard. Like this Harvard. This dude is a neck. He is an incredibly intelligent human. I'd assume the people around him are the same. So they're them going through the CBA because who knows how many times this type of situation has happened in the past and how how has it been dealt with in the past, especially with a player like Odo Beckham Jr. They have no clue if anybody's going to pick him up on a waiver. I don't think any of us know. I don't think any of us have any idea because the Jags have the money to do it. Well, Urban Meyer would be like, yep. <laughs> Give me. I would like to have Odell Beckham Jr. on the team. Is that something they do? And then Odell ends up in Jacksonville. Sorry to cut you off, but if you were if you were the coach of a bad team or the GM or owner, wouldn't you be worried about claiming Odell if you thought you might get him and you you only have one or two wins on the year so far? Like, what's going to make this guy come into our facility and all of a sudden want to play here? We're worse than the Browns. So the threat is that he just will retire and not go. I, or or just Who I don't know that? I don't Akeem, know what he could. Well, he's yeah. got a track Akeem record. Keep to well. did that right? Yeah. Keep to got traded from the LA Rams to the Miami Dolphins. I think that's what it was. Yep. He's like, yeah, I retire. Gronk did that whenever they were going to trade him. Detroit. He's like, now nah, I retire. You can't trade me there. So is that something? Maybe is that an out? What if what if Odell Beckham Jr. was to come to a financial settlement with the Cleveland Browns? Okay, to get out of this contract, he retires. Now they still own his rights. Would they have to just trade the rights at that point because the retirement thing already kicked in? Because that, for me, for instance, I had years left on my contract when I retired. Uh, if I was to come back, like, let's say last year, for potentially the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, when the kicker and the punter uh, w- went under the COVID list on a Monday and they had a game on that Sunday, and I know a lot of people down there, and I kick and I punt, and everybody down there basically knows that. So maybe that happens if I had the antibodies and I didn't have to sit in a hotel for five days. Mm-hmm. Can you trade rights after the trade deadline? They would have had to trade me to Tampa, but would they? Would the Tampa have picked up my contract now is the question. So then the trade, do, do we go just right back to that thing? And then you can't trade because we're past the trade deadline, which is what you do. I don't know. I don't when know. I hear that Barry's talking to Odell's representative, that makes me think terms of release. And in that case, they're trying to come up with some financial settlement to release him and hence – he would be free to sign anywhere. And so his contract be, would still be 8.05 if it was to go somewhere else. But if he if he doesn't end up somewhere else, we only want to pay you $5 million. Could you put that for we'll only pay you $4 million or $5 million, whatever it would be. Could you put that in a contract? Is there any uh, grounds for that in the past, I wonder? That, if that, you could trade him, maybe, but you can't trade him. Yeah, and they know that if he goes on the waiver wire with that eight million still right. there. No, no one's, one's gonna, gonna pick him up and then they'll be on the hook for that. So they're trying to talk that number down, but he doesn't want to come Well that's what I'm saying. I think what right. they're trying to do is I think they're trying to set a clause in there that if you don't get claimed, we would like to only pay you this amount. And okay. I wonder if there's any Can you do that? Though? Yeah, that's is what I'm the saying. PA, is there something with the PA? Oh and the fuck the PA. The fact that he even has to go through the fucking oh. waiver wire at this I'm stage of his you. career. Yeah. I mean, are you kidding me, dude? What are we even doing there? And why would he ever accept something like, yeah, sure, I'll take less money so that you guys aren't on the Well, he might want to. He might want to. But also, like you were saying, like if it's Jacksonville or like Philadelphia or the Lions or something like that, what says he's not just going to be like, yeah, fuck it, I'm not going there. I'm not going to go play for the Jaguars. Not happening. The other problem with this dude is he's got a track record. Of being a pain in the ass. Wow. And, no, and, and being unbelievable at football. Oh, no, and I, and I agree oh, with you. And yeah. he, he's a great talent. But if you go back to when he was with the Giants, the Giants signed the guy to a five year contract, right? What was it, two or three months later, they got rid of the guy? Because yeah. he was becoming too much of a pain in the rear end. Wow. They got rid of pain him. They sent him to Cleveland. End. Now you're in Cleveland, you're having the same situation with this dude. And to your point, if he goes to a Jacksonville or to Detroit, he's not going to want to play there. These guys are going to win two games. Then if you sign him to a big contract and he goes to a big team, what's to stop you now from a year later of him not getting – oh, I don't get the football. I'm not going to play anymore. Yeah. This guy's a track record of this, Pat. Yeah. 
I do under I, I do understand where that thought and again, is I'm very looking, valid. I'm, I'm looking at this as a fan, not as a p- former player, not as a, a coach or anything else. I'm looking at it as a guy just watching football every week and reading the stories and understanding that this guy has caused issues everywhere. He's yeah, playing. and this is also coming from a guy wearing those particular yeah, well, flip flops yeah. with no socks. <laughs> there you go. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but also, you're it's very valid. Everything you were saying is 100 percent valid, and it seems like. If it, they said this in Cleveland, they say, hey, what happened in New York is going to happen in Cleveland. Why would he want to go to Cleveland or whatever? And then I think Cleveland and Odell kind of took offense to people saying that. But now it feels like it has reached a point where it's not good. Now, there's 32 teams. This is only two situations, right? Maybe it is actually fucked up situations where he does feel this way. Maybe things, maybe his side is one that's very valid as well. Or maybe, as it appears, like, okay, tough times don't last tough people do when tough times come it's always a little bit of a problematic situation for the guy and why would you i guess want to pay 8.05 million dollars if you're a terrible team trying to rebuild so maybe the browns shouldn't worry oh they are nobody's gonna pick them up yeah no one's gonna pick them up for that for half a year no no there for was eight a, million, there was a couple teams up there, like the Ravens were up there. They could maybe use a wide receiver, and maybe he gets there, loves everything that goes mm-hmm. on. Completely different culture over there, you know. Maybe him and Lamar already have a relationship, I would assume, and that's just a much different thing. Because the question has always been, you know, just like quarterbacks see what's going on when Tom Brady goes to Tampa Bay, gets control of the roster, and does his thing. Just like other people, Russell Wilson potentially, and maybe even Aaron sees this, and Peyton did this originally whenever he went to Denver and was basically handed the keys of it. There's other positions that see this as well. I mean, Odell Beckham Jr. sees that Antonio Brown just joined the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and became a Super Bowl champion 12 weeks later. There are players that have been around the NFL for a long time that understand their legacy. LaShawn McCoy, he picked one in the Chiefs and also down in Tampa or whatever. (laughs) There's other position groups that maybe their resume on paper is one that, hey, warrants a conversation, but the legacy without any winning situations is one that maybe will be something that will haunt them forever, and they see what's going on with these super teams. But you would think that Cleveland would be one of those super teams unless – it's Baker Mayfield, potentially, that's trying to run him out of well, there. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like Cole has a good point with the Giants and the Browns, but then you watch that 10-and-a-half-minute highlight tape of OB, OBJ oh, being kind of wide open, and you know he's just not getting the ball. So right. is he wasting his talent is yeah, but, another but, question but, but, that you people but don't here's want to my talk point. about. You people. Well, why does Baker Mayfield – I mean, does Baker Mayfield not want to win football games? What, why, does he not want to hit that big contract that's on the other side of this? Does, does he not want to throw the ball to an open Odell Beckham Jr.? I don't understand the theory of that at all no he wants to but he doesn't like he just misses those throws like i, I think maybe that whole he wants entire... to throw them so bad he just can't hit them yeah if that's the case with odell too need this one need this one like why doesn't odell just shut up for the rest of this season stay in cleveland and then next year they're they will cut him because he's he... been a great teammate thus far true true but he could take a pay cut and go play for brady or you know mahomes or like play for like one of the go out to la and play for the rams like he, he could do that i think that's what he's trying to do here i think He's trying to get out, sign for the rest of the season halfway on a short, uh, small deal, and then he gets the offseason to re-up for a big deal with another team if he wants. And, but he's been a good teammate since he's been to Cleveland. He's been yeah, very quiet. For There's sure. been noise. Who knows? He, this would just be an additional, like, hey, 
okay, we'll redo this deal for a million dollars for the rest of the season. I'll just sit out. And then I'll gear up for the free agency after. Or this I think he goes and signs a short, like a small money deal with someone else to compensate for the money he's missing out on from Cleveland. If Cleveland releases him and say we'll give you three million dollars to just go away, now he becomes a free agent. He can. No, sign he's not. He's got to go through the waiver wave wires. If he's nuts. only three million, somebody will pick him up. You know, like that's the. Or can they just pay him the three million? It's wild scene. And release him. Excited to see how Andrew Barry figures the fuck out, dude. Yeah. Hey, ha- happy to you, not me, dude. Yeah. Good luck. Hey, man. good luck out there. I'm so sorry for the interruption, but I needed to let you know that the Embark Dog DNA test is the best gift you can get for your pup this year. The more you know about your dog, the better you can care for them. And the Embark Dog DNA test lets you screen for over 210 plus genetic health risks and 35 plus physical traits across more than 350 breeds to better plan the health routine for your pup for now and for all the holidays to come. Every kit comes with a veterinary geneticist who can help turn your Embark results into healthier choices. That's high level help from the highest rated test available. Your dog deserves the most accurate and comprehensive dog DNA test developed by veterinarians and scientists. And right now, Embark has a limited time offer on their breed and health kit and purebred kit for listeners of this show. Go to EmbarkVet.com to get free shipping and save $64 with promo code PAT. That's EmbarkVet.com, E-M-B-A-R-K-V-E-T.com, promo code PAT to save $64 today. Back to the show. Joining us now to wrap up hour one after that incredible conversation with Dansby Swanson, who I am a massive fan of, at Lieutenant Dans7, I think, on Twitter. Nice. Incredible. Joining us now, a man who knows horses inside out. And this weekend, there is a horse race. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, to talk about the Breeders' Cup, TVG Mile. How you doing, man? Thank you very much. Doing very well. We are, yeah, tomorrow we have not one horse race. We've got 14 of them. So the Breeders' Cup, I joined you guys for the Derby. Mm-hmm. The Derby's one race. It's like the NCAA tournament. Breeders' Cup's 14. we got five on Friday. we got nine on Saturday. And these are the best horses in the world, right? So that's like the NCAA tournament for the Derby. This is more like the NBA final. These are better horses, more refined. <laughs> this is the day of championship racing. Whoa. This is horse madness out there yes. in Breeders' Cup. Uh, where is it at? California? Del Mar, California. I'm going to do a little uh, whirlwind tour. And all before it. Right over there, that's that's the Pacific Ocean right behind me. Is that and north? the breakfast marquee where, uh, by the way, that's the uh, that's the open bar that I decided to do this hit from. So <laughs> I am still relatively sober, but I'm not driving home. Well, it's early, it seems like. You can get after it, though. This is the Breeders' Cup. This is a celebration of the best horses. This is five races today, nine races tomorrow. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Breeders' Cup time. This one, the best horses come out to run in beautiful Belmar, California. Uh, who's going to win? Who do we like? What do we like? How do we like the betting on these things? Okay, so first of all, if I don't do this, my boss will fire me. But FanDuel Racing is offering 20 to 1 odds on any horse riding running Ooh. on Friday or Saturday, both days of the Breeders' Cup. When you sign up for a guy, you got to go to the FanDuel Racing or download the FanDuel Racing app. The reason you do that is because there's a horse called Gamine in the fourth race on Friday, the number five horse. She's in the race called, it's the Philly and Mare Turf. So it's the girls, or Philly and Mare Sprint. It's the girls going three quarters of a mile. It's a shorter race. She is as much of a lock as there's ever been. But if you were betting her pair mutual, if you were just betting her regular, your odds are one to two or minus 200. 
we're giving you plus 2,000 on her. So this is steel. This is steel. We're making money off horse racing. Yeah. Hey, thank you, TVG. What's the name of the horse again? And it's in the billionaire what? It's it's Gamine, G-A-M-I-N-E, Gamine. She's the five horse in the fourth race on Friday. That's all you need to know. It's the Philly and Mare Turf, or Philly and Mare Sprint. I keep saying turf. It's on the main track. Philly and Mare Sprint. The big one, though, the heavyweight division in horse racing. Go, our older horses going a mile and a quarter on the track. The Derby's a mile and a quarter. The Breeders' Cup Classic is a mile and a quarter. These are the best horses in the game. So you have the very controversial Derby winner, Medina Spirit. Once again, we all know the story. Yeah. Failed the post-race test. For it now, they all, they, the the media says it's a steroid. It's actually a, uh, an anti-inflammation therapeutic medication. It was just totally. an overage. Maybe be a little too much out of it. But in the Breeders' Cup Classic, that's a horse that's going to garner a lot of attention. I'm going to give you a name though. I want you to write this down. Max Player. Max Player's coming Player, off of two Player. wins. Just one in New York for Steve Asmussen. The last time they ran the Breeders' Cup here in Southern California at Del Mar. He won the Breeders' Cup Classic with a horse named Gunrunner. We He's have an owner back of the horse. A really talented yeah, horse, right. Max Player. Yeah. Hey, we have an owner of the horse, Max Player, in the building. Actually, uh, we have a uh, a coastal elitist that works here. He, uh, him, and his family has shares in Max Player, and he was actually going to come in here and potentially dunk on you if you gave no love to Max Player. And somehow, with five races tomorrow, nine on Saturday, you were able to pick out this one horse. <laughs> he had great faith in Max Player as well. This is awesome. This seems like this is destined to happen. Yeah. yeah. Hey, let's go, Max Player. 20 to 1 odds at FanDuel Racing right Woo. now. If, if you, It's the first win bet you make. So when you sign up for that account at FanDuel Racing, the first win bet you make on Friday or Saturday you will get those 20 to 1 odds. So if you want 20 to 1 on Max Player, you can make that bet on Max Player. If you want to take a cinch like Gamin in the Philly and Mare Sprint on on, on Saturday, the, the five horse in race four, she's going to be 1 to 2. So she's going to be for sports odds. Once again, she's going to be minus 200. You can make that bet the equivalent of plus 2,000. So that's what you got to look at. Hey, let's go. Let's go. Right. Hey, uh, our horse expert here in the office. Uh, now, granted, I did not know until... You know, about a couple hours ago, he did have a, a horse that was this good yeah. that it would be garnering attention from TVG Horse Mike. Yeah. Uh, yeah but Bruce, Max Player, you scouted this horse from a young Philly age. Uh, what, what happened here? How did you get in on this game? No, it's like shares of the horse that are available through, I think the name of it's like Sports BLX. Um, and after one at Aqueduct. My mom asked me about it, and I said, yes, definitely, let's do it. And now this player is going to take down Medina Spirit, the one taking Tordo in the ass before yeah. Kentucky Derby? Yeah, yeah. I mean, hopefully 8-1, so nice little nice little shot. Hey, let's go, Max Come on now, man. Come on, Max Player. Hey, what you, you, should, you should get every bit of that 8-1 because of the presence of you have such quality in there. You have Nick's go is extraordinarily fast. Medina Spirit, like we said, is going to garner some attention. There are some very good horses in there. And I think Max Player's a little bit forgotten at this point. But back-to-back -back wins in a mile and a quarter. I will tell you this, though. Steve Aspis and his trainer, one of the greatest trainers to ever throw a saddle over the horse, he comes to California early. He brings all of his Breeders' Cup runners here like a month in advance, and he's had tremendous success. So as good as that last race was for Max Player, I think he's on tilt right now. He's going to be going as well as we've ever seen him. It should be his career best. Okay, that's awesome to hear. Are they throwing saddles over horses behind you over there at the open bar? 
Um, no, they're throwing Maker's Mark into some... Uh, oh, <laughs> now we're talking. It's 10 a.m. Oh, yeah. It's Breeders' Cup weekend. Now Let's we're go. talking. Let's go. Um, quick question. Can we go back to that Kentucky Derby thing about Medina Spirit? So that was all blown out of proportion. In my eyes, how I read it as an outsider looking at the situation and the fallout. Now, I didn't keep up with it. I probably should have, obviously. But horse racing is something that comes in bunches, I think, naturally as a sport. That was all blown. That was all a bunch of bullshit. Is the owner uh, the owner's going to be pissed off about this in the end? Did, they get, did the horse get screwed or what happened? So here's the thing, is that if that race was run in California, it wouldn't even be a violation, right? It would be a $500 fine. He was barely know. over. The drug in question is called betamethasone. And betamethasone, is, it, it's technically a steroid, but it's an anti-inflammatory steroid. It's totally legal to use. You just have to withdraw 14 days out. And the way they measure that is by taking their blood, and 14 days out, it should all clear. Now, there's speculation that because he failed the post-race test, he was given betamethasone within the 14 days. His defense is they were using a topical ointment that contained betamethasone accidentally, which very may well be the case. The problem with horse racing is it's not like the Olympics or baseball, where it's if you have a drug in your system, you're guilty. They have to regulate veterinary medications, and there's different medication rules from state to state. Now, Bob Baffert doesn't have the best record. He has a number of violations, so his barn isn't the cleanest in that respect. But we're not talking about a straight-up performance enhancer, given the needle and he runs five lengths faster situation here. What you have is a legal medication overage. The reason the industry got upset with it is because he's had so many over the last several years. He's had five within a year. That was his only one this year, but the list of allowable medications in horse racing is is vast. So it's one of those things where there's two questions. One, was he cheating? Two, did they catch him cheating with a beta-methasone po- positive? I don't, nobody really knows the, que- the answer to question number one, but the answer to question number two is, I really don't think so. I think he just had a beta overage. And if it was any other race in any other jurisdiction, we wouldn't be talking about it. That horse was on some good cushion beta-methasone. <laughs> Running fast and helping uh, we appreciate you, TVG Mike. You're electrifying, man. Thanks for uh, dumbing it down for all of us while being surrounded by a bunch of booze bags. Yeah, I will be diving into that booze immediately, and thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, we appreciate you, too. Let's look out for uh, Gamine and Max Player. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. TVG Mike, get the FanDuel Racing app for 20 to 1 odds on any first bet. Thank you so much, TVG Mike. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. All right. Thank you. All right that's the show. Once again, the risk-free same-game parlay tonight, only available on FanDuel, has to hit. It just has to. We can't thank you guys for listening, watching, tailing the same-game parlay, all that kind of stuff. We know there's a bunch of other shit out there that you could be spending your time with. The fact that you want to do it with us, we are eternally grateful. Enjoy the game tonight, and we will see you tomorrow for a feel-good Friday. Cheers. 